0: From the hill at Henson Park, it's the Rugby League Cemetery. New town is coming, hear the bluebags humming. New town. Yes, this is the Rugby League Cemetery. Very good to have you with us yet again. And we are going back further than we've ever gone before. We're going back to 1981, but not the grand final. We're going to the minor semi-final, Newtown 20, Manly 15, in front of 22,440 at the Sydney Cricket Ground. Uh, One of the great days in Newtown history. One of the last great days in modern Newtown history, as far as the first-grade competition goes. Uh, If you don't know the story of the game, it's probably famous for two things. Uh, one, the fact that Newtown got out to 13 0 at half time and uh, very nearly got run down by Manley in the second half. But probably more than that, one of the great rugby league brawls of all time, uh, most prominently featuring Mark Broadhurst and Steve Bowden, but uh, featuring about, well, both both pretty much everyone from both teams at one point throwing punches and headbutts and elbows and whatever else. Um, Gazzy, uh, Newtown had been hopeless for years, basically. Uh, They had made three finals appearances since 1960. They'd last won the comp in uh, 43. They'd last made the grand final in 55. They'd won the Wooden Spoon 76, 77, 78. Uh, Newcastle Knights supporters will know how that feels. Um, But then the WOC had taken over in 79 and that had a little bit of an upswing. Uh, Well, an immediate upswing from 12th to 11th. Then they finished 8th in 1980 and finally in 1981 finished 2nd on the table, 2 points off the lead and found themselves in the finals. Uh, By contrast, Manly were kind of coming off their golden period. They'd made the finals every year from 1968 to 1978. They'd won the comp four times, 72, 73, 76, 78. And they were just having a bit of a dip. They'd finished 7th in 79, 6th in 1980. And this was the first time they'd gone back into the finals since their 78 premiership. Uh, They had 11 internationals still in the team and they were about to start a run of eight straight finals runs from 1988. Um, Gazzy, you would have to say, looking at this, uh, two teams at very different times in their histories, but uh, just just to start, have you ever seen anything like this before?
1: Mate, what just <laughs> happened? What <laughs> just happened? I don't know. <laughs> I, uh, I haven't seen the game before. Now... I got a lot of pleasure out of this. I was aware of of the fight, but not that it was in this game. I've seen the footage of that fight, and I just didn't twig together when that fight is because you just see the headbutts and stuff, and I go, "Oh yeah, there was an old fight." So I've come in not realizing that was the game we're watching, and pretty quickly realized that uh, when yeah. about thirty seconds in, that has happened. That game is just undilated speed from start to finish. It, it's mental. It's like a. It, it's just a series of wild events. Yeah, uh, that are very hard to put together. Wonderful, wonderful game. Uh, not very recognisable to today's football, but just so enjoyable. It, it, it really, really was. I, I don't know how to put that into words. I apologise. No, it, it
0: is just things. <laughs> things happen that you're right. It is unrecognisable to modern football. It it pretty much doesn't even really look like the same game, and you know, and a lot of that's to do with the rules and the players and that sort of thing. But, um. Yeah, it's a it's a totally different style of play, and it is a totally different um, set of parameters of what is allowed. You know, the, the, the we'll talk about the fight in a minute, but the, the reaction to it and the mm-hmm. referees' reaction to it and all of that. Um, if that happened now, there, there would be a royal commission. The government would have to get involved, and like rugby league would have to show cause why it was allowed
1: to still continue to still exist. Well, people would be in jail yeah not it's- necessarily wrongly <laughs> <laughs> it's- there's a sense that there should be some people spending prison sentences for this. <laughs> it's yeah. insane. Like, it's violent assault. Yeah. Like, vi- like you know, you hear this trope every so often. Even when fights were allowed in the modern era, you'd hear like, oh, how can you do that in a rugby league field? It's assault off a field. But this is an assault. Like, this is a violent... This happened off the field. They'd be like, this is a violent gang war and the government would be talking crackdowns. Like, Absolutely. You know, Weaponising the police. They'd be talking about SWAT teams. You know, you've got to, like, save our streets, all of that sort of stuff. <laughs> violent <laughs> crimes. <is> what <laughs>
0: Neighbourhood watch. Yeah, that's that's pretty much right. Um, <laughs> this is kind of... The point I made at the start is that the, the, the two clubs are kind of... Newtown, or, uh, Newtown are on the up. Um, and I guess in part thanks to some money from John Singleton and his involvement with the club and uh, the team that they put together for 1981 was pretty much entirely new. That They'd built that team certainly since the walk had taken over in those couple of years. That Most of the players in the side in 81 had joined either in 79 or 80 or 81 um whereas man and and so they were having their little probably fairly unexpected moment um whereas manly uh, had had this incredible decade in the 70s it's hard to imagine um you, you kind of people of our age so right? this this match is 10 years before either of us were born um, it's, it's it's easy to kind of forget or not be aware of quite how dominant Manly were in the 70s and what a wonderful side they were, that they were able to win the comp four times.
1: Yeah, yeah, well, that's right. And uh, they, they had some all-time time greats in that team, uh, one playing in this game. It didn't have his best game in this one. But Edie uh, was, when I looked at his statistics after this game, it was a wonderful sort of career he had. And, and he obviously would have played a lot with Fulton, who's an immortal uh, of the game and that and that sort of thing um they sort of showed some footage in the pregame actually of sort of him hitting Fulton and breaking away so they had sort of this one of these uh real fullbacks of the decade and, and an yeah. immortal at one point and and always a lot of internationals and I mean that went through right through until the NRL <laughs> formed after Super League is that Manly just always in in our time was stacked with internationals and yeah that really dates back like you talk about Manly having a downswing at Manly downswing is sort of Dropping out of the semis here or there, and then slotting back in a year or two, <laughs> two later, not well, sort of the right. downswing of missing missing the finals for ten years, like the knights or something. It's, yeah. yeah, it's all relative, isn't it?
0: Absolutely, and winning, uh, you know, winning three wooden spoons in a row and that kind of thing. Um, yeah. They actually here's one after this year, so 1981 was the start mm. of a run where they only missed the finals twice until 1999. Yeah, and then got uh, kicked out yeah and then and then merged that's right yeah yeah, yeah. so they, um, they for two decades they were in the finals pretty much every year after this having been in the finals all the way through the uh, through the 70s yeah it's
1: amazing it's one of the endearing things about rugby league fans is that to this day people still really loathe them and bang on about them buying players and like they haven't done that for now about 20 years <laughs> it's, yeah um, this is the era having, where that was yeah. formed yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's not since like basically ninety seven have they ever really had a, a red hot side of imported players. They had a good era in the two thousands, but it was with their own players, but still people just won't cop, cop it Yeah, yeah. I mean, so manly, yeah, Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. good. It's good.
0: It will never, never go away. Nor should it either. If no. you've ever been to no. a game at Brookvale level, I mean I didn't I never disliked them that much until I went to Brookvale for the first time. Um yeah. yeah uh you wanted to talk a little bit about some of these players, I think, on both of these teams. I might just uh, quickly put the game in a bit of context. That uh, East, it actually, it's it's funny to think in 1981 that East won the minor premiership um, on 32 points. Newtown 30. Parramatta only finished third on 29. Uh, Cronulla 27. Manly 26. Uh, the, Newtown to get to this game, they so they hold. This is the old top five system, which I must say I love. Um, East get the week off round one. Uh, week one of the semis, Newtown played Parramatta and lost 10 8 in the major, sem- major prelim semi. That meant that earned Parramatta the right to play Easts for a spot in the grand final the next week, which they won on the Saturday. And then Newtown, uh, by losing that game, had to play Manly, who had beaten Cronulla, uh, for the right to play the loser of Parramatta and Easts for the other spot in the grand final.
1: Yeah, look, it's not a bad system compared to when you had to sit through the McIntyre. It makes a lot more sense. Uh, I can see why they got rid of it, because when you're living in a TV era of wanting guys to watch games, it just doesn't produce enough football games. But it's not not, not not a bad system um, in terms of actually being fair, is it? It's sort of, you know, you you get a lot of reward from that top two because you can basically play for a real sweet run through and and still get away with losing it and, and still you know, have a fair run at making the finals and you got your work cut out to make it from the bottom. There's sort of a sense at the moment that you could finish fourth and you may as well finish first. What difference? And if you finish eighth, there's not that much difference to coming fifth. I know you get a home game, but it's not a lot of, um, you know, uh, real reward for being at the pointy end of the table as opposed to several positions below. So, yeah, it's a good, I think it's a pretty good system that we just sort of would never have now that we need to have a thousand games. For people to watch, yeah, and and only you know
0: now. That yeah. it's the sixteen team comp, I mean, it's sort of you, you've got half the teams make the finals, whereas in this this wasn't nearly half the teams; it was a twelve team comp, so it was kind of it wasn't such a big deal. But uh, yeah. I think you wanted to talk about some of the uh, some of the individual players on both these sides
1: before we get into the yeah. kind of, heft of the game. Look, this is such an old game. I think it's worth spending a bit of time going through some players, both some memorable ones and some ones that won't be as remembered by people of our age and younger that I'm sure some of the, the older guys will remember well. Um, just as a little precursor to start off, like Manly have, as you said, got 11 internationals, so we're really going to focus on a couple of guys from Newtown, plus some guys from Manly who had good games, you know, it's, I can't go through 11 of Manly's international no, players and, those, and why they were know, all good. So, There's wonderful yeah.
0: forwards, are there, you know, Terry Randall, mm. Max Krillich, yeah, they're really yeah. well known, we know. I think, even yeah. by people of our era,
1: yeah. Yeah, we know who they are, and the, the Wombat, it was a wonderful player who just didn't happen to have a that good of a game today, so I won't go into him much, but um, don't take that as that we don't think they're any good. Um, all right, so I'll go through a few with you if you like. So first of off, I think we have to start off with, with Sigsworth, um, who had a phenomenal. He fantastic.
0: I've I've never seen yeah. this footage of Phil Sigsworth before, I've got to tell you. Mm. So one of the things about owning a nineteen eighty one Paramount Shirts, Newtown Jets jersey, is mm. that anywhere you go in it, and I mean anywhere, someone will some usually a bloke in his fifties or sixties will pull you up and want to talk about Phil Sigsworth.
1: <laughs> that's that's quite good. It, it, that's that's all that, it is it, yes. so
0: anywhere you are, you don't even have to be at football. You can be walking down the street, and someone will go, "Yeah, go to the Jets." When are they coming back? Hey, buddy, Phil Sigsworth, eh? All, that, <laughs> for some reason, <laughs> Phil Sigsworth is the name that people, the word association people make when they see that Paramount shirts jersey. After watching this game, I understand why.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, to take you on a tangent, one of my favourite things is actually when people of any, anyone who has a retro jersey is you should ask them who people come up to talk to them about. Um, my favourite ever was one of my mates wore a Penrith one and someone kept coming up to him trying to talk about Colin Vandervoel, which is very, <laughs> very nice. Like some old guy grabbed him <laughs> on the street and started talking about Colin Vandervoel, like a really former of Panther. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but look, Sigsworth, I, I just wanted to say uh, skiving in space. Would that be a fair, oh, yeah. fair comment? Absolutely um, electric! It's it's a funny one. So he played a tiny bit of rep football, not a lot, and it was around this era, obviously because of how he went in games like this. Had a had a good long career. I just wanted to say with him, I just wanted to say how much he impressed me with the, the running. He reminded me a lot of a of a Rod Silver or a Robbie O'Davis. Like when he was given a bit of space, it was like let's go, like you know yeah. that scything way of just um wonderful, being really that, beautiful agility yeah, yeah, yeah. side to side, yeah is that, is that similar to what those sorts of players that you saw like those broken yeah. field running fullbacks um, yeah. any, half more um, would mention. any half I' mentioned
0: any half a gap and he just cut them apart he just ran the ball so well all through this
1: game yeah, and any tremendous. staggering of the line like any yeah. time the line was a little bit staggered it was on uh, I, I just thought he really impressed me and I, I wanted to, to make note of that
0: we made uh, the point he was involved in a
1: moment yeah
0: yeah we, we, we made the point last last uh, on the last episode I think it was that he is one of the Two players who have played losing grand finals with three clubs. Um, he he, play, he ended up moving to Manly in 1983, lost mm. the 83 grand final to Parramatta, having lost this grand final to Parramatta, uh, and then moved to Canterbury and uh, lost the 86 grand final to Parramatta, uh, having been sent off for a high tackle on Brett Kenny. Um,
1: I bet he's fond of Brett Kenny. He possibly scored three doubles on him or something, <laughs> at least two. I think he would have been sick Six of the side finals. of Parramatta
0: by the end. Yeah. There's another wonderful. Um, example of bad timing. Cop this. So we've got Sigsworth mm. who's played th- for losing grand finals for three clubs. Jeff Gerard played mm-hmm. on the losing side of three Manly versus Parramatta grand finals. <laughs> so he was with Manly in 76. Yeah. Oh, sorry, yeah. no, he was with Parramatta in mm-hmm. 76 and they mm-hmm. lose to Manly, to that wonderful Manly team. Then he moves to Manly and loses 82 and 83 to Parramatta. So he's on the Very wrong cool. side of it. Then he goes to, so just before, Paramount, so then he's at Manly. He moves to Penrith in 85, a couple of years before Manly win the comp at last. And then he left Penrith in 89, two years before they won it. <laughs> so his timing is impeccable.
1: That is good. That um, you know, who has one like that? I looked up by chance the other day. Amos Roberts played for the Premiers three times in a row without ever being in the team that won the year before. Yeah, but yeah, But the yeah. Roosters... Um, uh, Penrith, Penrith and the Dragons, I think. Oh, Sorry, Grand Final, not Premiers, Grand yeah. Finals. He played with the Dragons the year after they were in the Grand Final. He did it for Penrith and I think he did it for East as well. Managed to never make a Grand Final, but always playing in the team that had been in it the year before. Yeah. So I just think it's quite, quite impressive. It's but, rough. It's and, really rough. But, yeah. <laughs> like Jeff Gerard plausibly. Jeff
0: yeah. could have made, like he could very plausibly have won three Grand Finals at least. Or, yeah. Like, or four.
1: Yeah. Or not change clubs and just, you know,
0: just, just stuck, with, one of them. Just stuck oh my, with Parramatta. Yeah, and, yeah.
1: yeah, that would have been a start. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. so I think that, that's really about all I had on, on six words. So I wanted to touch base on a more niche one with you. Sure. So one of the players that really impressed me in this game was Paul Morris. Had a yeah. really good game at 5 eight, nineteen 19 yeah. years old. He, he debuted for Balmain the year before at 18. Um, so I, I had a look at him and I thought, geez, did you, you thought he played well? I just thought he was a good yeah. broken runner. I mean, he looked really dangerous. Yeah,
0: looked really sparky, moved the ball yeah. well. Yeah.
1: Yeah, if you had him coming through and played a game like that in a semi and going, oh, this young kid, nineteen years old, mm. you know, you'd be pretty happy with that. Yeah, uh, thirty-eight game career.
0: Yeah, he across three, three across three time. clubs. Yeah. Mm. So Newtown, played-
1: he leaves Newtown because they they go. So yep. um, that's what happens there. But he he basically to think that that kid that used to in first grade at eighteen and played like that at nineteen played thirty eight. Games and by three, four years later, isn't playing in the elite competition. I mean, that's just stunning, isn't it?
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's. It's, uh, I was. I read the same thing. Was very surprised by that. um, Well, I saw this game and went away.
1: Yeah. Yeah, he has a really. I went away to look. I went away to look if he played for Australia. Like I watched this, (laughs) and I wonder if he ended up playing for New South Wales and Australia because you always see these guys you don't know, and you look them up, and they ended up getting a couple of origins somewhere or a couple of tests. And when obviously we don't remember everyone that played. Football. We only remember the greats now. So I thought, oh, I yeah. wonder if he played played rep football. He played New South Wales, and that he, he, he barely played football at all. It's just really surprising. He looked very dangerous. That would never happen now. If you played a game like that at 19, no matter, I, I don't know why he didn't, but no matter how badly you played, you, <laughs> like the Titans would pick you up. Or oh something. yeah, like you could a four year deal. Yeah, yeah you or you'd just... end up in the Super League. You yeah. wouldn't get not get a job playing like no. that in a you know. Just wouldn't happen. The reputation would be high enough that you'd end up just continuing to get a get a position. somewhere. I mean, how long did Daniel Mortimer play after the 0-9 run? That's, that that's, yeah, that's a good <laughs> example.
0: That's a really good yeah. call. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, not to not to pick on him, but like no, just, but that's that run, yeah. Just people yeah. kept saying, "Oh yeah, Daniel Mortimer." just had enough name to keep getting kept getting picked. Yeah, Keep getting positions. Yeah, yeah um, you can make a very long career now. Off,
0: yeah, you can make a very long career now off a few games, a few good games at the right time. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, Name recognition and and, and yeah. sticks in people's memories. Yeah, yeah. And no, being that nineteen me. would have been
0: a big story. Like if that happened now, the way the, the way rugby league is covered now, the fact mm. that he was nineteen and thrown into that game would have been such mm. a big story that everyone would have known about it. It would have been talked about incessantly and mentioned a lot during the coverage. That there's yep. not really any of that in this in this game.
1: No, no, that's right. You're exactly right. It, it would be be a bit like that. Um, if there's any old Newtown war horses out there, you know. Uh, what happened, whether he just after he didn't kick on at the new club or um, back in those days, reserve grade was a much bigger thing. People didn't move clubs. Maybe he just played it out in reserve grade, couldn't get past someone at the Dragons or I don't know, but someone knows, we'd love to hear. Um, okay, so going on, I thought we might talk about Johnny Gibbs if you're up for it. Um, firstly, I just wanted to toss out that he was really exceptional in this game in Wasn't the losing it? team. He's yeah, tremendous. he just, he was a very fast running player. Um, you know what he reminded me a lot of? Um, young Jeff Toovey. So Toovey gets really bad. Like it's almost like a bastardisation of Jeff Toovey's memory to call him a tough nose tackler like they do now. Because when he yeah. was young, he was this deadly runner of the football. Even in the 97 grand final, he sets up one of the best tries you will ever see fairly late in his career with this wonderful running halfback play where he's yeah. darting and running. And, people, The way and, people um, talk about
0: Jeff Toovey is as if he was like a Lincoln Withers type, you know, that he yeah. was really tough, nuggety yeah. kind of half. He just, just kind of made his tackles and got in there and steered the team about, but didn't. And you're right. He was electric with the ball and people forget that. Yeah. I mean, he would have had to have been. He kept getting picked for New South Wales and Australia. Um, yeah. But yeah. yeah John, 50, Johnny Gibbs. Kilos and yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But Johnny yeah. Gibbs was the same. as this real whippity kind of running half. Yeah. Um, which you don't you don't see many of them
1: now. No, no. He um just for a bit of context, so I'll explain what happens with his career in a moment. But he played eighty seven first grade games as a halfback and scored forty four tries. Yeah. yeah He's scoring every second week. It's, it well, doesn't absolutely at
0: all.
1: Yeah. Well it's very difficult to imagine a halfback going at one a you know, every two weeks now. I mean, if you did that for a season, you know, it'd be quite stunning, but going it for your whole career, it's very, very rare. Who was but the last? T- who was the
0: last halfback who ran the ball like that, and who, for whom running the ball was such a big part of their game? Oh, the sorry about that. Well, I mean, I, the one uh, I, could well, think I of thought
1: like, of two immediately and started trying to think of more running halfbacks. And yeah. Stacey was Jones, I guess,
0: style. was a Stacey yep. Jones had that kind of running game with that bit of pace off the mark. I'm yep. uh, sure Johnson, yep. a little bit, not the same kind of runner, yeah, yes. but it's...
1: No, the running game is that important for Sean Johnson, but he's a stepper, isn't he? Um, Yeah. Yeah, Stacey. Stacey was one. I mean, to be honest with you, he's getting better at the other staff now and they're different players, but Mitchell Moses is very, very run heavy. Yeah. If you go and look at 20 of Mitchell Moses' highlights, a lot of them are in breaking into the backfield and running. But Um, You're right. It's a a different style. The the
0: comparison is a bit different because the game is so different. Like, the runs that John Gibbs takes in this match is he gets it out the back or he gets it at the line. And runs on that diagonal and just kind of runs diagonally through them th- with pace. Like it's not stepping, yep. wave, Bob step, you know? Mm.
1: Yeah. yeah, that's exactly right. Um, so look, there's a little bit about him. I think we, we need to talk about. So firstly, very funny story. I watched this on KO. So I got the new commentary. And a uh, very funny story they told on there was that a bit of history between him and Tommy is that in Johnny Gibbs' debut, his first ever game, Tommy's uh, tried to bite his nose off and got a yeah. chunk of his nose and, <laughs> and clamped down on it. <laughs> I just think it warrants mentioning it. Tommy's a it's half bad. bad. Yeah. <laughs> and clamping down his nose and taking a chomp. I, I-, I just thought that that deserved
0: to be. Jo- I-, I heard Tommy, um, <clears throat> Tommy used to be on 2 jb Mm. On the continuous call team, and there was a, he was on the he was on the coverage for a state of origin game many years ago, um, and Sean it was Shaun Berrigan was debuting against Andrew Johns. There's one for a running halfback. Yeah, yeah, true. Actually. <laughs> um, and to, they said to Tommy, "What what's Sean Berrigan got to do to match Andrew Johns?" And Tommy says, "Well, what he's got to do, he's got to he's got to upset him. He's got to grab his ear, bite his nose, pull his arm back around his back," and Bob. <laughs> And, you know, he's got to really, you know, he's going to really bother him. And Bob Fulton, Bob Fulton saying, Tommy, you can't do that. You're not allowed to do that anymore. He said, you know, he said, that, you know, you used to do that 30 years ago. And Tommy just did teeth and says, Well, let's start it again. <laughs> <laughs> we just got to. It's just everything that's good about rugby league.
1: <laughs> it is good i've heard them have that dynamic before where Bo, they're yeah. talking in mean, bozo he's going going to bozo they've got to like when they've got to grab darren lockyer by the balls yeah. like in an origin match and yeah. grab him and he's yeah. going uh, and he's going we used to do it didn't we bozo didn't we and he's going yeah. yeah tommy but it was 40 years ago <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah we used to do it in the 70s yeah <laughs>
1: but uh yeah i think that's that, that's a wonderful way to get a halfback on debut. you know they, they talk about Thurston talks about how rattled he was the first time he played Joey and it was psychological and all this stuff. Yeah, but he didn't bite you on the nose, champ. Hard oh, enough. Ah, exactly. <laughs> down on, you, on your hooter. Yeah. Um, the other thing about the obvious one, we talk about Gibbs. He's a funny career. So... He played for Australia, or he toured with Australia in the late 70s and he played an Origin, or, well, sorry, not an Origin, a New South Wales game um, at that time. And he had a couple of hammy injuries and actually missed a lot of games over the last two years, gets back this year and is playing regularly. And um, there's an incident in this game late on where, where Blacklock jumps and lands on his leg and uh, he, he limps off. He never plays again. This is his last game. That's right, yeah um so he's 25 years old he played for you know he toured with australia when he was maybe 22 was late 70s or you know no older than 22 23 has had a couple of hammies that have dropped his games down a little bit played for new south wales playing in this manly side in the finals and sort of sort of stuff you'd be thinking well the next few years are, are his time aren't they and yeah he never plays again
0: yeah and, it's amazing yeah, that's it uh, that yeah. this this I don't know, yeah You would never have known that because he he sets up a wonderful try in this game. He plays really well, Mm. Um, but that's it. That's the end of his career. And he ends up kind of making a second career as a, a, on the radio and managing as a, as a player manager and that kind of thing. And he's still kind of, I guess for me, I, the the name that he has in the game, I kind of thought he must've had a bigger career than he had. Yeah. It it never occurred to me that it would have been cut short just on Paul Morris. Um, Mm. He mentioned that uh, he, he talked a bit about um, his knee problems as well, and he ended up retiring with injury. Oh, okay. So in, that's 1980, in 1986, he says he went yeah, to Balmain. Okay. So he'd been at St George. He'd had operations mm. and all that. Went to Balmain in 1986, and the coach said he was too slow for five eight and put him in the second row. Didn't turn up to training the following week. Never to Never went back. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And um, so in 86, what he would have been, 20, 24, 25.
1: Yeah. Injuries are one of those things. Back then, is that you know medical science wasn't quite where it is, and operations were a bigger deal and harder to recover from. So there probably was more people that were yeah. lost to the game for these reasons. Two, and you know, you
0: got two young halves on. You got you know young halves on both of those sides who probably were entitled on that day to think they had they were going to have uh, better or oh, longer yeah. longer careers than they ended up having.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's right. And, you know, with with Gibbs, uh, he was such a runner, I wonder if that leg was quite bad and they just couldn't get it to the point where, uh, you know, I think he needed to be able to run from what I saw to be be a good player. Maybe just without that pace, he couldn't do what he wanted to do on a football field. But, um, yeah, all right, going along. Now, this one, the great man, Phil Gould. Yes.
0: Can I just say,
1: oh, wow, man of the match by 100 yards. Such a dominant game. He I didn't know he was that good, did you? No, I didn't know he was that good. I,
0: people that I've talked to about him or people that I've asked about him say that he was very clever with the ball for a forward and all this sort of thing, which I guess you, you would expect from someone who became a very good coach. But uh, no, he does have a wonderful game. It's probably a coin toss between him and Sigsworth for man of the match. But um, yeah, he was very impressive. He, he was a very important part of their attack from the second row. <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, part of that's probably you got a fairly uh, older Tommy um, who's spent time in reserve grade and stuff at this point, so he's probably not hands-on leading the attack. And you've got a coach like the Walker who was probably able to bring out some skills in, in players like Gus that other people at that time might not have. But look, he just impressed the hell out of me. He—it's um, hard to, to overstate it. I reckon he was much better than Sigsworth. Sigsworth was good, but Gus either scores or sets up half the tries, and then. The ones he doesn't set up, he's got a pass in there somewhere, at least early on yep. in the set. He had this wonderful, wonderful way of both running quite well or, or passing short and passing long. And oh, it was just fantastic. He kicks, he does all the kicks for touch and he does yeah. it in play. Um, got a good I'm boot to, on him, actually. Yeah, he did. I'm trying to put him in a modern context, which is very difficult because forwards don't play like that. But to give you, I'm going to give you two, uh, or two for the listeners. So, one is in terms of build and running style and the fact that he was sort of clever with the ball. He was much clever with the ball than these two guys, but the only modern comparisons you could make is peak James Graham and Jake Travoyevich. now with the way yep. that their focal points of their attack. Um, Gerbo plays a lot like that now where he's sort of, he's not. they're not power runners either of those guys. They can run, but they run that lumbering, you know, into the teeth of it when it's not, they look like they're going to pass and then they take a sort of a solid run um, or or throw this clever ball Um, that, but neither of them could kick. I'd like to see James Graham kick, but I unfortunately haven't had the pleasure of of seeing that yet. (laughs) We remain Yeah. It's not over yet. Uh, But nonetheless, that's probably the closest comparisons I can give in style. But what I would say is in terms of impact or the role he played in the game totally different player, but it was like having a Wade Graham on the field. That, that's how impactful he was on the attack. That when you go to Cronulla... Totally different way, but Wade Graham at Cronulla, Wade Graham kicks, Wade Graham sets up tries, Wade Graham whacks people, and he takes hit-ups. And that's yeah. what Gus was doing in a different style, but it was the sense that your second rower is one of the most important cogs on the field, and if he's not there, you're not going to score points, and your wingers won't score points, and your senders yeah. won't score points. He's a kind um, of creative
0: outlet for the team. Yep. Yeah. That's
1: exactly right. If you look at yeah. some of the stats last year in terms of um, Cherry and Dugan and those guys with Graham and without Graham, um, how much? How many more tries and breaks they made? That's the impact Gus was having, and there's very few forwards that have been like that over the last. Even at that time and later, you don't look at a forward and go, "Geez, if he's not playing, the bloody centre's not going to get yeah. loose and score well, tries." They're not. And, and, and they and kind of coach, you know, not they're, they're all
0: kind of coach, not to worry about that stuff and just take the ball up and run in their lane and all yeah, that. Um,
1: someone else's he, job, yeah, yeah. No, he um, was very good, Gus. He's another one in the in, in the Gibbs role. I just think when you talk about, it. he has such a weird career because he is the dominant player on the field in a final. Like this, and, and he uh, plays quite well the next week, by all, all regards, as well. But very strange career. So, he was the captain of Penrith at 20 years old. And he captained he
0: um, them in his second first grade game, his second yeah, full game.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so he, he was obviously from the start a, a leader and a, a thinker in the, in the sport. the was whatever you think of him, and my views have changed over time for the worst towards him, but he um, certainly can't be accused of not being bright and understanding the game. Oh, of um, course. So, he, he Taboo's at 20 and is a, oh sorry he's a captain by the age of 20. And um, within a year or two, he gets to about, I think it's 1980. He misses a whole season with an eye injury, which is unusual. Um, I think they said the risk he had was that his retina could detach if he was playing and he had to basically really? miss 12 months, didn't play a, a game. So he then goes into sort of this season uh, and obviously has quite a good, you know, finish to the season and is pretty dominant. You must think, well, he's going to kick on now. He's only in his early 20s. Um, but what ends up happening is he ends up retired by the age of 28 years old. Like ah. he, he, he retires at 104 game career, retired at 28, um, and he's coaching the Bulldogs to a premiership. By what year do they win under Gus?
0: Yeah, he, he was 30 when he coached for the premiership. Yeah, he, he yeah. retired, apparently retired to take the reserve grade coaching job at Canterbury. Mm.
1: Yeah. Um, which yeah. seems, so yeah, what year seems was a little that hard to imagine. Oh, that was 88. Yeah. So 88. So this yeah. is 81, and he's in his early 20s. being yep the best player on the field in, in a final against the team with 11 internationals, or most of whom are forwards, by the way. They had a great back. And yeah. he's the best player on the field. And by, you know, the late 80s, he's coaching a team to, a, to <laughs> a grand final. And by 10 years after this, he's won two as a coach. Like 10 years after this game, he's got two grand final with wins. With different and three, yeah. yeah. And the third grand final because he coached them in uh, Penrith in in Nine as well. So... Yeah, so it's quite—it's just quite bizarre, isn't it? It is. And I tried to have a look at why. Um, I kind of got heaps of good reasons other than he did have injuries. He had a broken ankle at one point after this and a few different things that might have slowed him up a bit. And, you know, he was for his early 20s, he was hardly... Yeah, He makes an intercept in this game. And he's pasting yeah. through me. So, no, he
0: didn't... Yeah. yeah, that was very good. We, we have to talk about that intercept in greater detail yeah. later on. But, yeah, he did... Um, he did kind of break away and they rounded him up fairly briskly.
1: And I got yeah, him out yeah. the halfway line. Well, he was so clear that I thought he'd go the distance because it was one of those breaks where it was like off a mistake. So nobody's yeah. around and you pick yeah. it up and you think even a four, like you sort of think, Oh, no one's going to be able to catch him. They're too far behind and they get him by, by halfway. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe a couple of broken ankles or a couple of leg injuries. Plus his eye being a bit busted. I, I guess he'd be slow. He didn't have much pace to lose, but yeah. another one just like, Gibbs—it's another weird career where, if you watch these mm. guys in this game, you're not thinking these guys aren't playing. You know, one of them next year, and one of them is, you know, coaching by the age of thirty. So no, that's right. You know, it, it is a it's, weird it's, one.
0: Yeah, no, that's right. It, there are some very—you—you you would watch this in isolation and think that a lot of these guys went on to have these enormous careers, and, and it doesn't yep. quite work out that way. Yeah, and that's no. and like you said before, that seemed to be more of a hazard in this era than it would be now because, kind of it was harder to recover from injuries. there were more things that could go wrong and less ways to recover from them, mm. I guess.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, okay. So I've got another player. So this one's a bit left field in terms of impact on the game for me to bring up, but I'm going to bring up, I've got a couple of things for you on Ken Wilson. Oh, yes. The, 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 um, the bench halfback who played halfback most of the year, I believe, because Tommy only played five games. Mm. Um, and he now he was known, and this comes up a bit uh, in the coverage, that he was a field goal specialist. He kicked 24 field goals by then. And, oh, look, I just need to bring up two statistics or two little tidbits for you about Ken Wilson you might not yes. be aware of. Firstly... He is uh, in 1973, right? He, mm. he holds a record for this. He was the only point scorer with a field goal in a 1 0 victory over oh, St. George. Gorgeous. I just like that noted. Well, we need to find that game because that's oh, yeah. a game that I think the listeners can get behind. 1 0 with the Kenny Wilson drop goal. Hopefully late, like 78th or yeah. something. <laughs> or oh, I, early on specs. I mean, <laughs> early
0: of Put a marker down. Yeah. And then just keep touch. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Game management. Just we're yeah. up 1 0. Let's just keep booting it out, boys. Yeah. Um, I just think that warrants mentioning. And, good. Uh, secondly, now I'm not, I reckon I might have you here. So you're the sort of boffin who tends, I can't get you with much, but you might not be aware of this. Yeah. So in 1979. Yes. Uh, Kenny Wilson lost the final of the rugby league squash championship. Uh, <laughs> shown live on channel nine to Michael Sarademi of St. Yes. George. So I watched you didn't many, know. Only, <laughs> only, only because. Why? Only,
0: only because I watched the, a bit of the chaos. So I've, for listeners, uh, so Gazzy has watched uh, the match on KO com- with the new commentary by Andrew Voss and Brian Fletcher and who was the other? Who else that? Blocker. I've
1: Locker. watched it it's on YouTube.
0: Good. I've watched it on YouTube with Rex Mossop, but I watched a bit of the KO and I happened to catch him talking rubbish about, um, about Ken Wilson. Apparently, he was injured. in the, they, yeah. they kept saying that he got injured. He lost, nearly lost an eye because Sarah Dini whacked one into his eye. Yeah, tactics, yeah. Sure to disrupt,
1: disrupt him early.
0: Why was there a rugby league world squash championship?
1: I think the question is why isn't there now? Is the question we should be asking. No, you're
0: absolutely right. I've got that the wrong way around. Why isn't there Who are you backing? Man? Oh, geez. I, I don't know a huge amount a huge amount about squash, really. It'd have to be someone fairly nimble, I would have thought. Someone who yeah. was you know, sort of clever with their hands, you know. Um, I'm
1: backing Dad I just think Daly Cherry Evans would win. Yeah, that's not a bad shout. I just he's think great. he'd be able to play both-handed and he'd yeah. just be very good. I think he's fast. He'd be able to play with ta- – I just think – I, I reckon, um, you know, get, get in touch, Daly, if you want a game. But uh, in, I just yes. reckon he'd be the one. Yeah. I'd like to see you
0: play um, Daly Cherry Evans at, uh, at squash. That's a wonderful idea. Um, that yeah, yes. it's, it's good to know that that existed and I would love to find some footage of it. If anyone's got – if there's any cooker out there who's, collect, who's collected footage – has kept footage of the 1979 wide water sports squash competition rugby league squash please get in touch with the cemetery and please let us have a look at it make arrangements because i would love to watch the rugby league stars of the 70s go head to head on the squash court and i think a lot of people would
1: absolutely absolutely all right um i've got three more i'm going to roll through two of them quickly for you and we're taking up a lot of time but i think it's important to cover these players yes um Okay, just firstly, look, I don't have a heap on this guy. I just wanted to say, I just think it would be remiss not to mention how good of a game Brian Hetherington has in this game when we're yeah. talking about players from the game. He uh, he is a stealer from the next year, I believe, and plays over 100 games there as well. So has a good career. He plays two New South Wales games, uh, maybe 84 and 86. or uh, Anyway, in the 80s, he plays two games. Um, he just has a wonderful game. He just cuts them up. Um, yeah,
0: he's Gus a good and, shape, and, isn't he?
1: yeah that Gus and that are really freeing them up in the midfield with those nice passes and he 's getting them wide he's, um, and he just keeps cutting through them he 's wonderful just they give him a bit of room he 's got that lovely center way of just showing it to his winger and then going nut bang through the hole and out the other side he 's just very good game isn 't he' just had to yeah he,
0: he does and yeah he the, the try the one the first newtown try is beauty and it 's set up by him um, mm. and we 'll talk about that in a second but uh, he's one of the few in this Newtown side who had been there through the really dark period in the seventies, and, and he played in '78 in their last of three wooden spoons. What a time to debut at a club yeah. that has just won two wooden spoons on the trot. He won two of his. They played twenty-two games. Well, he played twenty-two games that year and won two of them. Um, won six the next year. You know, um, and has then you know a couple of years later ended up playing in a grand final. Uh, it's yeah, it is. It's amazing. Um, but he was very any good. About
1: guys, are any of our guys a chance of doing that at the nights if we come good? Who's left yeah. from the years where we won? Like, I don't think anyone's left from the year we won one game, are they? But one and a uh, draw. Dan, there might Dan, be a few Dan, from the five. Did he play Dan, the Daniel
0: year? Daniel Safedi, I think, played all of the wooden spoon
1: seasons. He did in the five game season. I'm just not sure if he. Yeah, yeah, I how think many he, played he played in the one for memory. Yeah,
0: yeah, okay. he would be one. There you go. Out, yeah. But there wouldn't be many.
1: No, yeah. that's right. Um. Okay, uh, going along. So I've got two left to do. This is a very quick one. I just wanted to comment. Chica didn't do much in the game. Not much to comment on. I just want to say that I am thrilled that our ga- our ratio of total games reviewed to games <laughs> with Chica in them is now about, what, three and nine, is that Yeah, time? that's I right. Think three. I think it's three and ten, yeah. I three think and ten. Well, I tenth, just think the yeah. ratio, we want to keep that going. Absolutely.
0: So 30% of all. I think if, all yeah. of, if 30% of all, you had a pretty long career. So I think almost 30% yeah. of all football games played had Chica in them. So by yeah. that logic, there's a chance that yeah. we can keep that going. He doesn't do much in the game. He doesn't get many opportunities. But, Jesus, it's, no, it's, it's good to well, see. It's good to see. The centre
1: just keeps burning him. He's outside Hetherington. Yeah. He's on fire. And good but, to see. Yeah.
0: Not only good to see him, but um, he does throw a very nice pass uh, for the first try, uh, in fairness. He gets the ball from Hetherington on mm. the inside. He makes himself available to the right and then throws a nice, holds, a, holds the ball up and throws a nice pass. But, um, yeah, he doesn't do that much. But, Jesus, it's good to see him. And it's good to see him in the new town. Uh, in the Newtown mm. Blue, uh, suits him. Yeah, he came down from Glen Innes in 1979, uh, mm. aged 23 or something, and uh, and didn't get into first grade until 81, which is a little hard to imagine. But um, yeah, but, he, but he's 25 by this point, and this is his yeah. first year, and he ends up playing mm. sort of into the early
1: 90s. Yeah, some Vossi reckons he was 27 because there's some yeah. confusion on that so I was, well, there, There's I a just, lot of confusion about his yeah.
0: age, which is one of the many things I like about him.
1: Yeah. I just think, that, to make the point, you're exactly right. I just find it very difficult to think that he wasn't standing out in, in reserve grade um, like bit. He had to bite his time. Uh, it reminds me a little bit of uh, Mike Acebo was playing, um, he, he scored like 30 tries for Gundagai, then scored like 70 tries in New South Wales Cup for Penrith in like 45 games or something. Like he's got 100 tries in Australia yeah. before first grade. And There's a real sense that he shouldn't have play. had to score
0: that many to get into first grade.
1: No, no. I watched him play for Penrith against Newcastle in reserve grade and like, I didn't know who he was. I just went, what the hell is that bloke? Like he was just rolling everyone down the sideline. And then Parramatta, they're like, oh, it's an astute pickup. They've found. Mike Cassevoe and brought so him. How did you? What have you, you found him? How did you miss him? How the, the other f- fifteen clubs not everyone? find him? Yeah. yeah, that's right. I'm glad Penrith didn't think he was worth a go. By the way, <laughs> yeah, he <laughs> couldn't find um, space. Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, moving on. Last player I want to go through. Uh, we can't go through and not talk about Tommy. No. Um, everyone knows a lot about him, so we're not going to regale you with all this sort of stuff about him. Uh, Brief thing on this year and then a couple of stories I have picked out. Five games all season. We've mentioned it twice. I just want to note that that's you know, quite unusual and not what we really get told now when we get the story of Newtown's run and, oh, Tommy went to Newtown and all this. You don't, we don't hear a lot of the fact that he actually didn't play much football this year for them in first grade. And the walk wasn't picking him. Yeah. Um, and, you know, left out for the field goal specialist. And I don't. maybe Tommy didn't go so well in the squash championship. I don't think he'd be much of a squash player.
0: There's no. very
1: limited room for violence in squash. So. <laughs> Uh, no, as a means there's... of putting off your opponents.
0: No, that's right. I don't think you'd be wanting to take him on.
1: No. So, look, I thought, as I said, look, everyone knows a lot about Tommy. And I tried to think of something. I-, I wanted to get some Newtown-relevant material of just a couple of stories because one of the interesting things, you could do a podcast on this, of the idea, if you want to talk chalk and cheese as a captain and a coach, yeah. it would be Tom Bredonicus' approach to rugby league and <laughs> that, you know, the king of science, like Warren Ryan, is yeah. the king of you know not sports science, the science of football. Like the yeah, game, kind of professorial, kind of, yeah, 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 like the, the salt and pepper shakers on the table. They talk about him getting coins out of his pocket and setting up plays on the table for the Johns brothers and moving the fifty cent piece and all this. And that, yeah. that's I think fair to say not how Tommy played the game. And I think that's um, fair. Tommy was a, a, a lot of people from that era say that, you know, his caricature of him isn't, isn't fair, that he was a wonderful, you know, test. Very player, a very good player, yeah. Yeah, but nevertheless, that's not the way he played football. So, what I've done is I've dug out a book I had in the cupboard in a league of their own, 22 oh, yes. League uh, Finest Till Their Funniest. Very yes. few of these are funny for the record. Yes. They were very of funny course. when I was 10. But there's a couple, there's two quick ones i want to run you through um, from Warren Ryan and Tommy's relationship that get as told by uh I think, as told by Paul Langmack. Good. Um, okay. He's got, he's got his own chapter. If that's good, just before the Paul Vorton one and after the Mark Sargent one, I think Brett Rodwell gets one. Jeez, that's a um, yeah, this, yeah, Wally Lewis tells about three all-involving Rod Reddy. <laughs> he then gets his own chapter. <laughs> good. Um, so, all right, I'm going to toss it to you. So, firstly, bit of backstory. I won't read the whole thing. Warren Ryan drops Tommy to reserve grade. Um, blah, 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 you know, Tommy liked to play with more aggression and he drops him down to reserve grade and Tommy's in charge of the young kids uh, so mm. before one game he's in the sheds with the reserve graders screaming at them that they've got to go out, bash and barge, rip and tear, kill and bite and kick yep. and uh, just as he's saying this a third a grader mentoring. Yeah. Yep, a third grader from Newtown gets carried into the sheds on a stretcher out cold, yep. poor bloke's unconscious with blood all over his face and looks like he's dead as described by Paul Langman <laughs> uh, the young blokes are just about being sick. One of them's gone really pale. Tommy takes one look at him and breaks into this huge smile. Goes, ah, he says, going over there, lifting the bloke's head off the stretcher by the hair so everyone can see and goes, now this is what we're after. Oh, and holds the unconscious guy's Jesus head in the second
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> Jesus. That's really good. It's that's, that's like, yeah,
1: God almighty um, Last one very quickly So Tommy oh, and Wazza yeah. didn't always see eye to eye But Tommy was smart enough to know that he wanted to get back into the side He had to go along with Wazza uh, get, He gets back into first grade late in the season He was a new man Wazza would get the team around him before the game And say, okay boys, we've got a hit left on the third tackle Then swing back wide on a vertical parallel Then Tommy would jump up Yeah, yeah, that's right You got that fellas, hit left, swing right Keep going Wazza when Wasser finished, he'd leave the room, and Tommy would get to his feet. Okay, he'd say, "Don't worry about all that shit. Let's just get out there and bash him." <laughs> That's it.
0: That's the right approach.
1: Yeah. yeah, I like the idea of
0: the two separate team talks. <laughs> <laughs> the, co- at- the concept. Of, <laughs> sorry, the concept of Tommy being sent back to reserve guard to look after the young kid. Like the idea of him being the mentor. <laughs> <laughs> like foster-
1: doing your children,
0: so f- young f- fostering, fostering, <laughs> yeah. fostering a culture at the club of bringing through, yeah. you know, like a club ethos is wonderful. I just, that, that's everything that's good about rugby league.
1: Well, you know, they, they talk all about this stuff, like the last dance documentary with Jordan and all this stuff. I tell you, uh, what's their documentary? walking Tommy's Years at Newtown absolutely. Is a documentary. Absolutely not, not yeah. fit for human consumption, but that would, wouldn't. it's just, there's never been two people that were so good at what they do with possibly so opposite an approach at the same time. You know, these aren't, they're not from a different era. They're in the same era, but they'd like, they couldn't have possibly been approaching this in a different way. Um, yeah. And have somehow got together and had this really nice success, which is you know what's good? wonderful.
0: Yeah. To, there's a story that, uh, that uh, Wilson, uh, sorry, Wilson that Paul Morris tells. Yeah. Uh, about the 81 grand final, uh, is that they, uh, Tommy had been coming off and he comes off in this game uh, and is replaced by Wilson. Yeah. And apparently, th- and that had been happening through the semi finals at about the 60 minute mark. And on grand final day, uh, Tommy said to Wilson, Replace me today and I'll bash the p- out of you. Which I think is just <laughs> the, r- <laughs> yeah, I think is the right way to kind uh, of team diplomacy. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Should we get. Should we get into the game, into yep. Some, yep. Of the, some, of the, some of the incident of the game? I just I want to share Let's with you a it. couple of moments from the pregame. Now, I had the privilege of watching this on YouTube and seeing the original coverage. Uh, mm. Seven's Big League with Rex Mossop, brought to you by Mazda Quality Cars and Commercials and your local Mazda dealer. And, uh, yeah, the great thing about this, this is Rugby League on Channel 7, which I found quite jarring. But uh, they play, the, the intro to the coverage is the theme from Shaft, <laughs> with footage of um, With just footage of like Rugby League With just the, the you intro to Shaft Kind of doo-doo-doo, 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 Just over and over Just for about a minute Yeah
1: came, is, came, is that similar to the red and, like Stuff quite, that he did like Yeah I think he possibly, stole that for a while For some of his yeah. skits brought it we
0: Stole it from the movie. Yeah of- yeah, because um, I've
1: just got it back with footage of people knocked out cold on the ground and everything. And like this that. is in the
0: era, this is in the era where the football wasn't on live, right? So this is at six o'clock on the night of the game. So the game's mm. been played, and then the Moose bobs up in a suit with the big Coke bottle glasses and introduces the game. And then as the players run out, he's reading these scripted um, intros about some and like info on some of the players. So, you know, like as they mm. run out, Rabs will start talking about the players. It's very obvious that Moose had scripted his down to the word. I just want to share a couple of them with you. Because uh, it's like, um, he reads it in the style of a newscaster. Mm. A suggestion that Edie would need a painkilling injection on his groin has been refuted. <laughs> That's very and good. this is probably my favourite one. John Dorohy, a talented but slightly injury prone player, is coming back to his best form. But manly El Supremo Ken Artherson said he had agreed not to discuss terms for a contract renewal till after the grand final. <laughs> I just... <laughs> I just the concept of manly El Supremo Ken Arthur, what is he? Yeah, doing? Or Franco, I think that's or something. Right. yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. Anyway. Well, but yeah, some would say so. <laughs> um,
0: there's a bit more on uh, there's a bit more of the magic of moose to come when we get into the game, but look, <clears throat> we can describe the first we can just describe the first 10 minutes of this game in a few words mm. Newtown kickoff, manly get the ball, mm-hmm. they play out a set. Doroughy kicks downfield. Phil Sigsworth shapes to kick the ball back, which I was very keen on.
1: Threatening kicking, Jill, baby. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he yeah. gets
0: it at fullback. First kick of the game. Picks it up and, sh- like, fakes the kick back the other way. Takes the tackle. Drops the ball. Scrum.
1: Should have kicked. Yeah.
0: Should have kicked. Totally different yeah. game if he kicked <laughs> Scrum. Mm. And uh, then I think you would have to say that all hell breaks loose.
1: Never seen anything like it. Um, Some of our younger listeners may remember the origin fight uh, in the mid-90s. 95, was it? Yeah. Um, Yeah, uh, 97, the the one that Joey got knocked out? No, no, the big massive broad. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 95, yeah, the big massive broad, Barnhill and Hopper and all that. Um, That, if you've seen that, times it by, like, add about eight crowbars worth of violence, you know, sort of 10 people that should never be let out of maximum prison. And that's what this was. It's just like, it's that same way that they broke off in 95 where they break off into pairs. It's not like one fight or a melee. Everyone is one by one breaking off into a peeled off um, into one-on-one fights. But this is like, this isn't 95, baby. This is lawless, lawless 80s. It's the the, lawless seventies football. They're still playing and they are just trying to kill each other. Yeah,
0: and the camera very quickly, this is, you know, there's not many cameras at the ground, but one of them very quickly focuses uh, on Steve Bowden and Mark Broadhurst. And it is now an iconic fight. The image of, of Bowden having just thrown the uppercut. You know, people talk all this rubbish about Muhammad Ali knocking out Sonny Liston. You want to see an iconic an iconic image of a punch being thrown, Steve Bowden all the way. Um, oh, yeah. But what's incredible, there's two things that jumped out at me about this. One, Bowden throws the headbutt and knocks Broadhurst out pretty much knocks him out. So that Broadhurst falls on the ground and then Bowden just keeps punching him and throws about, I counted about seven that he hooks into his gob while he's on the ground. Um, And this is all, while this is all going on, the touch judge has been following the fight and the poor old touchy is standing over them, watching Bowden belt the living tripe out of Broadhurst and just sort of, I don't know what he was doing there. He's just kind of standing very close, but not getting involved, kind Mm. of shouting at them to stop. What did he think was going to happen?
1: Yeah, well, a couple of things. Um, I don't blame him for not getting involved. No, not at all. <laughs> <But> you am just <laughs> <staying No>. with. <laughs> yeah, I suggest he should have been 50 metres back with his flag in the air, just waving flag, like, like, yeah, I've got an infringement. It's like, cause like, I it. Yeah, that. I've seen
0: something. like... Broadhurst won the Golden Gloves in New Zealand. Like, he had been a fighter. He was the New Zealand amateur heavyweight champion or something.
1: He was a heavyweight champion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it might have been amateur, but nonetheless, like, he was a yeah, boxing yeah. champion. Yeah, but you're not allowed – I'd just like to make the point. I, I want to defend him a little bit here because there's all this talk of him getting towed up. He got towed up because he got clobbered with two headbutts. Like, yes. they were they were standing toe-to-toe. And, I mean, Bowden, fighting an amateur <laughs> heavyweight boxing champion, deserves some credit for being toe-to-toe at that point. Yeah. But, the headbutt, like I guess that you probably you're not just a, like no matter how good you are at boxing, like if you headbutt Mike Tyson between the eyes with a vicious one and Clobbering, like there's not much coming back from it. I like, uh, I think, you I, think if you're Bowden, <laughs> yeah.
0: I think if you're bound and you've decided to take on the New Zealand amateur boxing champion. Mm. On a football field, I think you're entitled to use every weapon at your disposal to make sure that it's you successful. survive. That you survive the experience. Whether you should have been picking him in the first place, I don't know. Mm. But the story Someone goes, has to. yeah, the story goes, doesn't it? That the Newtown players in the sheds before the game got word that Broadhurst was talking up that it was on at the first scrum, <laughs> and that like where they got this information from, I don't know. Possibly from Tommy. <laughs> Tommy said, <Sinana. laughs> "He said he's going to belt you. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? You know." Um... Yeah, and they've got out there going, right, well, if it's on, you know. Um, so there's that fight going on.
1: Tommy. One more thing sorry. on that thing. Yeah, yeah. On, on that one, I just want to just convey if someone hasn't seen it, and if you haven't seen it, what have you done with your life? Go and look yeah, it up we'll, on YouTube. Yeah, we'll post
0: that. We'll post the clip through the yeah.
1: week. He gets him When he's on the ground, they're both on the ground sort of, but he's kneeling over the... I just want to emphasise that when he's on the ground... Swinging. He's got him on the ground. He's kneeling over the top of him, just letting go uppercuts to a guy on the ground. To a guy's head, Rumped yeah. To a yeah, guy's yeah. head who's been headbutted and knocked out. And um, it's just – and he gets him again later. They get up and break it up, and then he headbutts him again. It goes again. Him through. <laughs> yeah. It like sort of breaks up, calms down. They start going again and getting back together. When, good, Broadhurst for going back in there is bloody – like I don't know. I don't know Maniac. if it works. No. Yeah, the, for the absolute crazed bravery. Yeah.
0: yeah. And then, like, Broadhurst plays the whole game. Like, one of his, by the end of the game, one of his eyes is closed. And he's well, like, you know both. He, he, no, do tell.
1: Yeah. Do you know what he got diagnosed with? So I watched KO. So Vossi and that pretended, because they knew what the results of the scans were, they pretended that they'd got word from the sheds. Sure. Okay, so one of his, he had a depressed cheekbone fracture Aye. on one side. No way. The other eye had a fractured eye socket. Yeah. Not the same side. Oh. The two headbutts. So one headbutt, was dep- like he had a depressed cheekbone fracture on one side. From that, he's got up off the deck, tried to fight again, and then had his uh, high socket fractured and then played the entire game, shaking hands with the opposition, like puffing. All he's doing is puffing on his way off with his hand and he hips going. That's geez, unbelievable. That a hard game. Puffing, walks off the field. Forget posting the fight. Post his face
0: yeah yeah yeah, yeah. There's, a, there's a it's close insane. up there's a close up just a, like a few minutes after this where they cl- they show a close up in his face it's unbelievable like he's yeah. puffed up he's the, like he looks like both his eyes are puffed up they're bruised they' like they're not just black eyes like the whole anything anywhere near the eye is bruised by the end of the game one of his eyes is pretty much closed um mm. It's, <laughs> like it's...
1: That, That's one of the toughest things, to play out that game. Right, I don't know yeah. if anyone's played through anything that bad because I want you to think about how much Tom Radonikus and some of those Newtown players would have been getting his face for the rest of oh, that yeah. game. In Every the tackles, like what they would have been going for and to be, to be fair to them i mean they might have done it anyway but to be fair they also don't know that it's like <laughs> fractured and like he, they're probably thinking he's just got a bruised badly bruised face but like yeah. he's running into tackles they would have whacked that head the whole game and he keeps he runs into the teeth of them that yeah, whole yeah. rest of the game he gets it and just charges in he puts his body on the line and tackles like gets in front of the front rowers and whacks them that is the like if that happened to me I'd just be on the ground in a ball shaking oh, for yeah. about three months.
0: At least. Yeah. It's it's unbelievable. I Yeah, I've never seen anything like that. I've never seen somebody play on with something like that. Um, I mean, I know Sam Bird just played a grand final with a... did look he had, like that. He had a fractured, <laughs> he had a fractured cheekbone, yeah. didn't he? Is that right?
1: Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: If you add another very, very serious and painful injury on top of that, mm. you know? Um,
1: no, and he didn't. Well, Tim he, Brown tried to. Tim Brown tried to headbutt his depressed, fractured I took it in the tackle. Remember, right. he comes. For, he tries to, tries to get Time him in again. scrum with a big ego. But that might have been the bonding equivalent. But it's just the way he walks off at the end. After all of this, he has his hand on his hips and he's just walking to the sideline like a tough old bloke who's had a puff. You know what I mean? Like he's yeah. kind of puffing going, geez, that was hard. Shaking hands with everyone, walking off going, geez, I've had a pretty rough day. Not like, yeah. oh, my God, I'm going to die. Yeah. I need urgent medical attention. I'm, I'm an extrici- with my point. face. What, yeah like far out yeah it's, oh, it's, unbelievable. it's unbelievable,
0: yeah I know we've said unbelievable about fifty two times, no, but I think that's the only is. word you can use, yeah um it, it, moose says uh that is the most frantic start or rugby league match I've seen in thirty five years um, is good. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, frantic. It. yeah he's quite low key about the whole thing, and then he says, mm-hmm. despite saying it's the most frantic start, he never really raises his voice that much um And then he says, I understand Broadhurst was a heavyweight fighter of some repute back in New Zealand. Um, (laughs) Anyway, but then then the moose is wonderful. So the moose has got this fellow called Barry Ross as his sideline eye. right? And he starts really chipping him live on air. So he says, Barry, do you know whether it's a sin bin or sent off? So, Bowden gets sent off, and for some reason Terry Randall goes as well. Broadhurst stays on. Mm, Terry I Randall. Into that gets, in a sec. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I don't I've not mm. it's not been clear to me what Terry Randall did because mm. the camera doesn't show him. But mm. um he says, Barry, do you know whether it was a sin bin or sent off? And Barry says, I didn't see a sin bin, and the moose gets really annoyed, <laughs> like on air, <laughs> and just goes, Well, can you go down and ask, please? It's fairly important we find this out. <laughs>
1: Uh, it's hard to, to blame the sideliner because I couldn't see anyone go off either. I kept oh. trying to find it and I had to have Vossi tell us because there was no footage. I couldn't see. No, you don't up, see them I, sent off. No, I started cackling because I thought nobody had been sent off. And I thought that was the best result <laughs> that I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, Randall. So, um, I tried to see what he did too. And I'm going to let go on spec because he had a bit of a reputation that there probably was something fairly nasty at some point, yeah. but I will just make the point that the only footage I can get of him is him being double teamed by Gus and Tommy. Yeah. Like they get him, like both of them get him at once and a go on him. So there's a suggestion that if he did something that was fairly untoward, that they might've sort of somewhat have been uh, excused by the fact that he was being clobbered by two people. I mean, there's 25 folks the hell out of each other. Well,
0: what what is the line for a send off? Like, at what point? Did, when? Why did those two cross the line and nobody else? Like, what, what was...
1: yeah, he's, <laughs> a, he's the only one being double teamed. Like, the yeah. only one to cop two at once. It, I, I can understand the, the repeated head. Pulse. What about Tommy? What about Tommy trying to pick Les Boyd? I was about to mention it. Yeah, what are you at doing? the end of it all, settles yeah, yeah. down. He just tries to pick Boyd.
0: It, like, but thing, he's mad. He's, he's completely mad. mad. Les Boyd. They, I I meant to mention earlier that there is a real, um and it might go some way to explaining how all this happens. I was able to count um, five players in this game from the Roy Masters uh, Fibros Western Suburbs side mm. of the late mm. 70s: uh, Redonicus, Graham McGrade, and Stephen Blythe on the Newtown side, and John Doherty and Les Boyd on the Manly side. Um, mm. And I just think that you know having guys from that cult, that kind of uh, cultural revolution. Of Rex, of uh, Roy Masters at, uh, at Wests might have gone some way to explaining why they ended up all belting the hell out of each other in this one. Roy Masters had a wonderful expression. I in that uh, Fibro Silver Silvertails documentary, which I commend to anyone listening. Um, that he says, he says, yes, he, you know, Roy Masters, with his, his eyes closed, as he always is, he says, mm. he says, yes, you know, it was it was violence, but it was honest violence. <laughs> 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 honest violence. Yes.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Would you describe Bowden as Bowden's violence as honest? violence? What is violence? He just
0: sort of mowing because um, multiple punches yeah. to the head.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. <laughs> um, good. Boy, good. it's a good way to segue out of the fight because yep. it segues into what happens immediately next is that I just found this so wonderful. So after this, they kick for touch. So we get Gus kicking for touch. And they basically take a hit up and Boyd basically stands four metres off site and then runs as a shooter, Richard Villasinke style, <laughs> out of the line, clobbers in, zeroes in on Tommy who doesn't get the ball and just punches him again. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. <Just> starts <laughs> again. And there's nothing happens. So Newtown get the penalty for the fight for some reason. And then they get, the, yeah. it's not clear how they determine that. And then they get the penalty for this. Cause you're right. Boyd just comes in and just picks him and just attacks Tommy. Who's nowhere near. He doesn't even get the ball.
1: Um, well, you wonder why he waited for the pretense. Like, he stands offside, shoots up on Tommy like he's going to tackle him and then just punches him. Why didn't he just... Why, why did he, he have all him? the pretense? Yeah. yeah, he never got the ball. But it, no. it, it's just like, it's crazy. You would never see anything like that now. He stands offside and then just shoots out of the line at a player who doesn't have the ball and punches it. Yeah. Like, after a run And Tommy's bleeding out of three spots on his head, just grinning wildly. <laughs> he bad. loves it. Yeah. So
0: the, the, <laughs> that's right. But, like... Nothing happens. They get Newtown get another penalty, but nothing happens to Les Boyd. There's no consequence. No. So the ref has told them, presumably at some point, has told them all to calm the hell down. And mm. he just comes up and starts it up again. And the ref goes, "Oh well, but penalty to Newtown. Come, on, mate, knock that off." But there's no, yeah. there's no bin. There's no send off. The sin bin had only been introduced in 1981. This was the first year that the mm. sin bin existed. Um, yeah. And it, and it doesn't get used. Um, in this game, because they just send, they send Randall yeah. down and off. But they don't think the Sin Sinbin, uh, Les Boyd, for foul play, for herring up and just attacking the opposition halfback. Um, by this point, it's eight minutes into the game, and by my count, there have been seven tackles. And, and Moose is very unclear about whether the time is still running through all this, right? So, They've, there's been all this fighting and all this talking between the, like the referee's been t- telling off players and there's been these wild brawls. Mm-hmm. Nobody seems to know if the time is still running and whether the, whether it's 10 minutes into the game or like one and a half minutes into the game. <laughs> and, so, and he also gets stuck into it. So he gets stuck into poor old Barry Ross again. But Barry Ross comes back and says, there's still no word on the send off. And Moose goes, well, could you go down to the dressing room? We really need to find this out. If <laughs> he gets stuck into it. Poor. But he's not
1: wrong though, is he? Like he's no. to fight. Like, he on the sideline. eye to get information from the sideline. He's like, yeah, no, no word.
0: And then the, and poor old Barry starts just kind of starts naming all these New South Wales rugby league officials who are down there that haven't been able to provide him with the information. It's wonderful um, that the replay of the Boyd incident at head-on at this super speed is completely useless. And Rex <laughs> Rex starts accusing Tommy of throwing the first punch.
1: Jesus.
0: So, no, I think it was Tommy. So, yeah, it's, it's quite good. Um, and then a few minutes after this, there are just these, what, like, Pittman comes over the top and just, like, nearly decapitates someone with a stiff arm, mm. which is penalised even though it didn't connect because it's so violent. And then there is Gibbs. is just viciously spear-tackled one-on-one by Graham O'Grady. Uh, yeah,
1: 10 weeks. Oh, at least. Yeah, yeah. 10 weeks now.
0: One-on-one. Yeah. You don't see one-on-one spear-tackles that often?
1: Unfortunately, yeah. This is just like, <laughs> it, yeah, it's a bit sickening, isn't it? it like is we haven't seen it for so long. Like <laughs> when you see an old shoulder charge, you still think that looks good. When you see the spear tackle, it, it makes you a bit Ugh, sick. Yeah, it, yeah, that's no it's good. really, yeah, no. Like it's um, <laughs> all jokes aside, it's really quite quite ill to watch a man dropped on his head. Yeah. It's, oh yeah.
0: Now, no. we're we're gonna we're gonna come to the tries here, but just before we do, we we talked a bit about Sigsworth. That mm. on previous episodes, we keep asking when. Did the accord stop? You know, when, when did players stop just doing whatever they felt like on the field and just backing <laughs> themselves to do it? Phil Sigsworth here, after about nine minutes of the game,
1: play one first tackle
0: <laughs> on the manly line on about the 22, just goes to chip and chase for himself and it's, it, uh, it dips into touch. Um, full Full credit for the absolute madness of that. Uh, and then shortly after, Manly... It was uh, a good
1: one, by the way. It was, it was a good one. It really it, it, worked. It, it needed to sit up and he would have scored in the corner, but it skipped bounce. He 100% would have scored if it sat up. But no it's just there, incredible. Yeah. You never yeah. see it happen.
0: No, first tackle. Um, and then there's so little kind of structure to the game. You know, like the, That's mm. one of the things that really jumps us. There's no... It, it, it's like when, when Sigsworth fakes the kick off the first tackle that Newtown have had the mm. ball... There's no suggestion that that was unusual. Like Moose just goes, oh, he elected to run. Like there's no there's no <laughs> yeah. kind of template of when things are supposed to happen.
1: Yeah. No. Um, I think the game then seemed to me to have it based a lot more on the athleticism of the players, um, which not to time date the episode, but I, I think one of the things that they, these new rules in the NRL now with the waving six against instead of penalties and everything is, whether it works or not, is intended to do. And I personally, what I like about these old games um, is why I would like them to try and get it a bit more like that is is that rather than on this structure and picking a lock, as you call it a lot with halves, like this idea that Melbourne pick a lock, like they work you out and run their yeah. structured plays to unlock you, there's a sense that when the game is played with a bit less structure like that, it brings out the athletic ability mm-hmm. of people. So your halfbacks role is not this rigorous sort of choreographed, play what what Tommy's trying to do is get the ball and then get the ball to his athletes in the space for them to use it. And, yeah. um, and, and that, that on both sides like that. And I think the back in the games in the eighties and, and, you know, certainly the the game with the um, with Kenny and Sterling game we watched and, and, and in the early nineties as well, the further you go back to those errors, um, there definitely is more of a sense of athleticism over structured ideas of working to a template. And I think that's what people like. Um, I know the eighties gets a bit boring at some point for defense takes over and they get fixed. And that happens from time to time. But I think as a rule, the more the game is like, it ends up being forget all the fights. So we're going to talk about the tries and stuff. Now when the game of football breaks out, when the brawl turns into a game of football, you get to now see some stuff that we don't see a lot of today, or we haven't over the last few years where people get the opportunity to show their athletic talents. It's not about, running these set plays and, and wrestling them on the ground. So it's too slow to let them show off. There really is a sense that the players who have the ability to show off, get the opportunity to do it in this sort of yeah, game. And that's I, I really like that. Yeah.
0: And we will talk about the tries. We might go, uh, I might go through all three of them and then you can sort of, we can chat about all of them as a whole, I think, which would be because Newtown go in 13 um <clears throat> because they go bang, bang, bang. It's a wonderful football. The first one is after about 10 minutes. It's just after all the fighting and carry on has stopped. Um, and it's actually, an it's an accident. Manly are coming off their own line after the Sigsworth chip and chase. Uh, there's a bit of interplay from their own quarter line, I should note, between Gibbs and Thompson. The ball's dropped and then Blacklock swoops onto it, picks it up, offloads to Mick Ryan, uh, who goes over to score. That's a bit of an accident that Newtown happened to score there, being clever to pick up a loose ball. Uh, Sigsworth missed the kick, misses the kick and it's 3-0. Um and then, But the two tries around the half an hour mark are the ones that I think warrant a lot of attention because Newtown just used the ball beautifully. And it seemed to me they were really well suited to the fact that there was suddenly, well, there was suddenly one one fewer player on both sides. Um, the, 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 the second, Mick Ryan, tries a corker. Tommy at first receiver, short ball to Morris. Morris goes into the tackle, offloads to Blythe. Blythe gets it out to Hetherington. This is on halfway, mind you. And Hetherington just slices through them. Um gets it inside, kind of hoiked over his shoulder uh, to Chica Ferguson, who has come from the wing back to, the, back to his right, uh, who then finds Ryan to score under the post. Fantastic football.
1: Um, oh, yeah. Just um, great yeah. skill,
0: speed, athleticism. Yeah.
1: By a lot of people. Yep, that's right. Hetherington's pass is a beauty. The lofted sort of one. Uh, It's fantastic. That that try, those are some of my favourite tries. You know, one of the best, like, it's exciting when someone goes 90 metres, an individual, and that's cool. Um, You know, when they score in the 20, that's cool. But there's something about halfway tries between the 40 and the 40, when you put a play on and sky through them and go, you know what I mean? That half field sort of try. There's something about them, isn't it? Like, someone cuts through from the halfway and there's a couple of, like, long ball, short ball, cut through, pass, the fullback pass or something like that. Those sorts of tries. Fred Penny in the the Challenge Cup final. There's a couple of great ones like that. Those midfielders. Yeah, there's something very beautiful about them. And this one falls right into that category. I, I remember just at this point, I'm watching this game of thuggery. Like I'm just watching illegal violence that should be banned. Forever and the sport needs to be shut down, sort of thing. Like, and then all of a sudden you're like, "Holy shit! Look at that! Like that is yeah, just yeah. some of the best football I've ever seen." The, the game of footy's broken out. And how good is it? Yeah, it's a, it, You know, as much as the fight, and it's great to look back on this football. Wow, that's what I want to see. It's just so, so, so good. Um, one of the best tries we've watched. Absolutely. It was a bell- It was gorgeous. Oh, yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. And then they do it. They they play beautiful football again. Manly kick off. Sigsworth off the kick off breaks to halfway, bringing the ball back. Mm. We've talked a bit about Gary Jack used to do this for Balmain where he, the fullback would catch the kickoff and just charge back at them and try and make a break from yeah. the, the first run. Sigsworth does it beautifully. He gets up to halfway. There are some of the best professional foul holding down ever from Walker <laughs> as he as he gets up to play it. But then they, they advance up the field near town and it's beautiful again. It's Gus this time throws two dummies and goes through... Um, then he finds – it's from about the quarter line. He then finds Ryan. Ryan turns it inside the black lock. Uh, Gus ran past Les Boyd, actually, to, to set up this try. Seasworth kicks the goal. Suddenly, it's 13-0. And Newtown are just rampant. They, 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 they look half a yard quicker half and, and, and a lot smarter with the ball. Oh, that bit's a play from a gas. There's
1: no, oh, yeah. no no, forward in the last 20 years could have done that um, at all. It, it's just beautiful. The way he carries it, he carries it. He's looking outside. He throws a dummy. And then it's one of those stop, prop, and then go. So it's like, yeah. you know, he's going and then he stops. And then he's going to dummy again. And then he props and then he goes. And Kenny did one of them in the um, Challenge Cup final. Albeit with quite a bit more athleticism, it's comparison.
0: I know what you mean. But no, no,
1: the stop and prop. You don't see yeah. a stop and prop now. People don't dummy stop, don't, like the the stop prop and go again sort of thing. Yeah. Um. You know, and because it's they're setting up a play, and it's like he's just stopped, not run it, seen something, and gone. And it's beautiful eyes up stuff. It, you know, I think the th- the reason these things work again, it comes back to being a bit unstructured, is that he. I don't think they have this plan where he's going to dummy twice and run. They have this plan where they're all going to run in the right spots and he's going to select what to do. And he might, you know, he very well could have thrown the first pass or the second, but it's not on and he sees the gap and runs. So you get people, it's very hard to read things when the guy actually isn't just going, we've called a short pass or I've called a long pass or I'm going to run myself. He's actually saying, I'm going to set all of them up and do react based on what you do. And that's that, 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 the best players still do that. But there's a lot of people that don't, isn't there? You watch now um, some of these halves. They go to the line with the intention that they'll run this time or they'll pop it short this time or whatever. And you can read sometimes what people are going to do. But with this, it's this lovely sense that he's got a lot of options available to him and yep. he waits for you to stuff up. And then he's going to take the one that you give him. And it's, yeah. um, it's just beautiful. It's a, such a good try. I can't overstate what a game he has and what this try is. Wow. That's the one you want to go and watch if you're a... The first try is the best. So the second try is the best try. This is the one if you want to get a sense of gas or what we're talking about, go and have a look mm. at this and this is what he could do. Um, and, yeah. you know, wonderful. and
0: forwards of that time so and that, that was part of their game, you know, that they mm. um they, they they some of them, particularly, you know, second rows and locks and that kind of thing, they would they would try and use the ball and and you know, create but use their use their size to create space around them and yeah, it it is something that's gone out of the game and, and Jake Debojovich is a good example of someone who still does it a little bit. Um, when you see, the thing is, when you see someone do it now, it, it causes carnage because yeah. nobody's coached to deal yeah. with it. When the, when the Bulldogs started using Cassiano and James Graham like that, nobody knew what to do because you couldn't you know, um, every now and again it flares up but um, this was the, this was a great era for it. Um, mm. A couple of funny little things. Did you notice when, just on the first half, did you notice Doroughy <clears throat> kicks out on the full from about his yes. halfway line, yes. right? just flogs it into touch. Um, Moose says, uh, that looks like about seven feet over the sideline, which is a very specific guess <laughs> of how far <laughs> it's <laughs> out. <laughs>
1: but then... Did they have a red line back then? Like the no, Sifon they didn't line,
0: have a red line like, back Kentaris,
1: then. Yeah. Nah, but,
0: but John Gibbs feeds the scrum.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Did you see no, this? I, Yeah, I thought that that, that there'd been a mistake and they'd cut some of the footage out. Like I thought, oh, is this, Is it cut the game out?
0: And so I've watched this now with Mossop's commentary. He doesn't remark upon it. I've watched it with Andrew Mm -hmm. Voss's commentary from today. He doesn't remark upon it. I think John Gibbs just fed it and nobody noticed because there's no reason, there's no rule (sighs) ever. There's never been a (sighs) rule that if you go out on the full, you get the ball back.
1: Well, no. I started to think, could there have been a rule I don't know about? And then I was like, well, no, because if there was, everyone would kick the ball out on the full till they got to the ten metre yeah, line. going the would be an incredible yeah. rule, and it's not um, touched in flight.
0: There's no reason.
1: There's no penalty you can get given. Like they can't. They no, can't have done something. Like, I think reverse it's, the scrum feed, he doesn't because he,
0: he tries to do it again in the second half. There's a kick yeah. field, I think, by Gus and Graymeedy. Kind of fumbles it and it runs down his leg and goes into touch. And John Gibbs goes to feed the scrum again and mainly end up getting a scrum penalty so he doesn't have to. Yeah, but I reckon
1: that. Can um, we get to the bottom of this? Can we, let, let's get like Vossy's on Twitter, Gus is yeah. on. Can we get some of them in and art uh, those? This has happened. Is there any? Can you explain yeah. this? I reckon he's... Let's try and get to the bottom of it. Yeah.
0: I reckon he's tried it on. I I reckon that it's. I hope you're
1: right. That's wonderful. That's such eyes up football.
0: Absolutely. Because he does it again in the second half of a different type
1: of incident, you know? It's like the equivalent of James Maloney's phase of throwing people's shoes over the sideline. Like, yeah, it's just really bizarre. advantages of football. It's like coming up with something really stupid and just seeing, seeing if you get away with it for a while. The like yeah. James Graham, like when he was putting his Vaseline all over himself. Yeah, it's just, rubbing they're just clever his place, little gamesmanship. Yeah, yeah I, like, I really like just going to feed the scrum. I, I, yeah, wonderful.
0: Good. I, just just to, to round off the first half, just a couple of things okay. I have to mention. Um, a piece of commentary from Rex Mossop, which I think, Sums up this game and this era and rugby league generally. I just want this mm. is just general play. Newtown are rucking it up from their own line. And Moose describes it like this. Pittman through the middle of the ruck. Stephen Blythe bleeding from the face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's his of commentary fact. of two hit-ups in a row. That's that's what's yeah. happening in the game. Yeah. Um, and also the halftime report. Uh mm. They, I hate, As I've said before, I hate the halftime what did the coaches say report. I now know that it's been going on for at least 40 years. Barry Ross comes back from halftime and says as for the manly side, uh, the coach said they need to take any chance that comes their way early and try to score or try to get back into the game.
1: Yeah, good. Good advice. Um, that's really, Sound, really good advice. Really insightful. Well, it's funny you bring that up because I think it speaks for itself, but I thought it leads me to share a bit of the KO commentary. Yes. Um, where the game, it's been 40 years since this game was played. Um, And Blocker Roach, knowing the result, knowing everything else, has still managed after half-time to come out with it like manly or really want to be next to score. <laughs> <laughs> like, firstly, knowing the result of the game, it's so like after all yeah. that, it's basically come out with the same comment as the coach. After I want to take our chances. Blocker suggested it'll give him a like. You see, I think he said it'll give him a bit of confidence that they can score next. Yeah, <laughs> like, to not to not yeah. end up sort of twenty behind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah it's just um, th- even with the hindsight, you still have to come out with That's that. That's very good. Than, like,
0: Rex's uh rex was a manly was a manly guy right he, mm. he played for the for manly and was apparently in this era he was notoriously biased towards manly and people would mm. sort of be throwing things at the tv because he was so pro manly he he does what i would do if i was calling a newcastle game which mm. is that he just totally turns on them when they start <laughs> losing when it's 13 nil, he just starts roasting them and writes them <laughs> off, writes them off completely. They come back from halftime, and he says, "And keep in mind, this is a televised match. Like, think about what the what the executives at Channel Seven think about this. Manly need to score in the first five minutes, but I don't think they can make a deficit of thirteen because Newtown are playing so well.
1: So he's written it off <laughs> as a he's written yeah. it off as a contest. <laughs> don't bother watching. <laughs> don't
0: bother watching <laughs> this. This is over. All right, keeping in mind what goes on to happen, he's called it off. Not they shan't be winning here. Um, he was right." Yeah, that's well in a way. Yeah, that's right. He um, was. Uh, the the second half, there are a couple of things which, uh, if, if the only thing that had happened in this game was the fight, if all the incident mm. had been in the first half, that would have been enough for me. Mm. But what happens a couple of minutes into the second half got me onto my feet watching this last night. Manly get a tap about 20 metres out. Bet on the quarter line, they're attacking half of the field. Yeah. Um, and from the tap, they execute the wall.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Three in the wall, ball out the back. Um, I can't tell you what effect that... Oh, I can't tell you what effect it had on me to be sitting in my home on a quiet Friday night and suddenly see someone execute the wall.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um... They do it again later and do a dummy in the wall. They tap, yeah. give it to the guy in the wall, and he dummies to throw long and then, like, breaks the wall. <laughs> breaks the fourth wall, if you will, and just charges yeah. in the defence. What would it um, take? What would it take to the get the wall, wall
0: back? Well, can we get the wall back and someone do it?
1: Yeah. Yeah, well, I, I think it needs to have... Oh, God, I would just love to see it. Wouldn't that rattle defences these Absolutely. days? Absolutely. The now... The second thing, so there's the what wall. What was the point of the wall? Hang on, just, can right. we get back to it? What was, the, what was it intended to do?
0: I think the idea was that <clears throat> they would pass the ball between the three of them and nobody would know which one had the ball. Yeah, but as soon as they made any ground, they would. <laughs> yeah, as soon as <laughs> they, got it, they then broke ran. the wall. Yeah. 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 yeah, so that's the first one. But the second one completely rattled me and took mm. me to a, a new plane of existence. Mm-hmm. Can I say... <clears throat> Rex Mossop describes it as the mouse hole move. Now. Yeah. Yeah. Now, explain. Could, it. Yeah, I'm happy to. Jeff Gerard. So this is after this is the same set as the wall. Manly mm. give, dummy half gives the ball to Jeff Gerard who runs it up in a kind of wedge, right? So he's at the front mm. and there are there are Manly forwards either side of him running alongside him. He then before he's got to the defence bends down and places the ball on the ground and kind of rolls it backwards, similar to a play the ball, but not quite. And John Gibbs comes around the back and picks it up. <laughs> he's, t- he's tackled. He's tackled and immediately throws an <laughs> intercept to Gus Gould. What on earth was that and why? I
1: love it. I love it, it, it so me much. me off my
0: head. I watched it about I five it. times. I just kept, I just kept going back to it. Because
1: was this in the half time talk wall into this? Because yeah, it didn't come out in the coverage from what you're saying. He didn't tell, oh, yeah, they suggested they start with a wall and then run a bastardized fake mouse trap. Yeah, the mouse. Ma-
0: <laughs> I don't know what they said on on what Bossy called it, but Moose for some, they must have been doing it. They must have been doing it all season because he called it the mouse hole. Mouse hole. Yeah. Um, Bring it back. Absolutely. And then when it doesn't work and Gus sort of lumbers to halfway. He says, well, I think they're going to have to shelve the mouse hole after that incident.
1: (laughs) I hope not. I hope that Uh, wasn't the end of it.
0: That's unbelievable. If someone did that now, I would end up in hospital.
1: Yeah, I just the last. Yeah, that, that's right. I'm bad enough when someone mouse traps. I still think the last person to do it was Carl Lawton. It's the last person I've seen mouse trapping an NRL game. Yeah, um, a couple of years ago, and it sent me. It might have been last year. It was recently. And it, <laughs> the mouse trap is really stupid and pointless. Like, it doesn't do no, anything. no, no, I won't have that. It's never, don't have been, that. But, no, bullshit! It hasn't. I've seen the Johns Boys run, run it. You know, they know what they're doing. It's the best move in rugby league because you know what? They're all going that way, and you're going boom. It's misdirection. They don't even misdirection. I've told you before. Me and our, me and our, our mate Matt Peterson ran this in a uh, not, not the Parramatta legend Matt Peterson, unfortunately. <laughs> but yeah. Ran this in a local touch game where a guy played the ball and we called mousetrap and he lined up behind me, but we both went left. Like one of us was supposed to go left and he was supposed to go right and pick it up, but we didn't communicate on which way we were going. We both went left, left it behind, and turned the ball over. That it's happen. not a thing to be trifled with. It's used with caution. Yeah, you've got to know
0: what you're doing. That's the trouble. I'd have used
1: this move in touch if we had known oh, yeah. this one. Oh yeah, the, the mouse mouse- hole
0: I almost want to play touch just to be able to do this. It's one of the funniest things I've ever seen in the history of football, yeah. but I'm so glad that it happened. Um, yeah.
1: Gus Dent Would have done well on the sab- upper touch team. Oh, absolutely.
0: I mean. Yeah, well, that would have taken some explaining. I think, I think <laughs> it would have taken me long enough to try and explain Jeff Gerrard. Um, yeah. <laughs> anyway, that, and then, of course, Newtown score very shortly after this. There's this period where, in the first five minutes of the second half, we're mainly completely stuck. They keep like they Newtown have a couple of goes at them, they turn it over Manly, then give them the ball back. Um, and Newtown just go through the hands from 15 out. Sigsworth scorches them on the mm. diagonal run, scores to make it 16 0. Um, they missed a kick, but that's it, 16 0. And Man, and Moose completely losing it at his beloved Manly at this point says Manly are pathetic, they've been pathetic in this game, and the score line, the score line is becoming a positive embarrassment to Manly. <laughs>
1: Yeah. It's funny. It's um uh, yeah, look like, again, it it just strikes me as you commentating the knights because that was it was he really did scorch them, but there was no reason for the hole. It was one of those real like they've just spread the ball and there's this weird hole in the defence. Like there was no one yeah. in front of him for no particular reason. Yeah. You know, when you just watch it and go, Well what? Where are where Why is that the person supposed yeah. to tackle him? It's just a giant yeah. hole. And I think if you're commentating that and Newcastle left that big of a gap there, oh. there would be quite a bit said. Yeah. It's, yes. uh, I can understand that. And I, I find it very endearing when I was younger I used to get agitated about bias in commentators I find it very endearing now because it reminds me of me you know like watching someone call a game for their own club going off their head is sort of very funny to me now just like it's very endearing because that's what we're all like I think oh yeah you no know,
0: yeah you can't yeah it's part of it can't. up and down everybody yeah. everybody that's involved pretty much has a team and you know mm. you, you get wound up by those things but after this so from 16 nil, it should be a procession and you kind of there is a bit mm. of a worry when you're watching it trying to Toss out as a classic match that it's going to really fizzle. New telling mm. going to go away with it, but mainly come back very hard. Well, I don't hard. know the
1: score. Keep in mind again, yeah. I don't know what happens. So, and I, had that I know they of, win, but that's it. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I had that yeah. thought. I thought Gazzy would be watching this, thinking, "Oh God, he's sold me a bit of a pup here." Because other than the fight, like the the last half an hour is going to fizzle out.
1: But oh, course, it wouldn't have mattered. No, you probably would probably seen yeah. enough. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. But, but mainly. Um, come back. They score Mm. through Davis and then they score through Mm -hmm. Booth and get themselves to Um, 16-10. A couple of things about this. One of them is that a lot of the manly recovery is based on winning scrums and getting penalties at scrums that they weren't that Newtown were feeding. Mm. and Mm. They're able to get possession. They can't seem to get themselves up the field, but they seem Mm. to be able to get into attacking positions through winning scrums. Um, Mm. The first try is uh, quite nice. It's Well, it's it's a fairly simple one, really. he just jumps yeah. out of dummy half and finds Walker down soft. the short side, chucks it over to Davis. It's not like, you know, there's nothing particularly special about it. The pass is, you know, uh, a bit questionable. It's nice,
1: but it's a bit, it's a bit soft. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um, Moose, keep in mind, half an hour to go, 30 minutes left, and he says, oh, that's a bit of a belated try to Manly. <laughs> it's it's to make 16-5. <laughs> um, he's still calling no contest. And then about five minutes later, 15 out, uh, Thompson roaming sideways out of dummy half, hits, uh, hits Gibbs on an angle who slices through, really slashes through the defence. Uh, and as he comes to the fullback, throws a pass, you'd have to say a mile forward to Booth, who goes over to score. And it's 16-10. And suddenly, hello, there's a bit of a game.
1: Yeah, beautiful try, that one. Um, really exactly. nice by Gibbs. That, that's where he breaks his... I assume he broke his leg. I might be making that up, but he badly injured his leg, whatever he did. Yeah, he, um, but he
0: goes off after this. And, yeah,
1: he, and he never plays again, so I'm assuming he broke it or something. But um, Blacklock runs through... after he, get, he, he passes and falls to the ground, and when he's on the ground, Blacklock tries to jump on him and actually land, tries to jump over him and lands on his leg yeah. um, really heavily. Um, so, yeah, it's sort of his last contribution to a game, which isn't a bad one, but it's an important thing to mention because, as you say, game on... You know, sixteen, ten, and all that, but the halfback just went off the field. So
0: yeah, um, and they bring uh, on uh, they they bring on comedy legend Steve Martin.
1: Yeah, yeah good. Yeah, <laughs> cheaper <laughs> by the dozen, baby. Yeah, I was about to say that <laughs> <Cheaper> <laughs> the pink the big <laughs>
0: panther. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah. But, um, I, I think I'm glad you mentioned the penalties because I was going to mention that. Now I'm not going to get into the deep debates of the '70s and '80s mainly bias that was allegedly happening and happened, but it's this sort of thing yeah. that is the reason that there was that perception for a long time, and they got a lot of favourable calls in games. Um, Arco was well seen to have way too much influence on the game, even before he actually ran the game, um, and certainly when he ended up running it, yeah, he was um, on the that board perception increased. It. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he was a very senior figure in the game and then running it, and there was this real perception of favouritism to them, and I don't think anyone's ever said that there was a real suggestion that they were fixing them. It's more the sense that they seemed, everyone had this perception that if there was a questionable thing happen, mainly tend to get the better of it. And to get in a game like this where they're behind and suddenly out of nowhere, because there hadn't been a lot of penalties in the scrums and all of a sudden there was like sort of three or four penalties very quickly and several of them were when Newtown's feeding the scrum and stuff. Yeah, that happens quite
0: a lot. And the scrum, to me, watching Mm. it now, and maybe it was different at the time, maybe you could spot who was going to get them. Yeah. But it seems very random to me. Every scrum is a schmozzle. Yeah, Every scrum it's just is like
1: rugby, rugby union. If you're not a big fan, if you were, yeah. I watch rugby, i will be like, why is that a penalty? Why is that a reset? I couldn't. do it was The
0: yeah. scrums are just a mess. Yeah, um, it's just this kind of mass of bodies, and then somehow the referee goes, "Oh, that's a that's an infringement by Newtown. Manly penalty." It's very Period. odd.
1: Yeah, it is. And it just, it's those things that do that. And it's like I've sort of heard said, it's it, it, perceptions mean a lot when you've got a guy yeah. who's very powerful in the game and then he's running manly and they keep getting these things. It just becomes a bit of a perception, you know? Um, and it's probably one of the reasons why nowadays that we don't tend to have people running the game that still have their fingers through clubs and through stuff like that. It. Because yeah. it doesn't, you know, because these things do happen. And we say that, like, Cronulla got a seven tackle set in a semi against the, the Cowboys or vice versa, someone did, and, and stuff like that. Those things happen. But all you have to add in is something, someone like Arco and it becomes bigger than a, a refereeing mistake or, or a series of whatever's and you start to get bigger questions. And yeah. this, I think this happened, mainly made a lot of finals. And if you're in a lot of them, you get a lot of controversy. And I can see why, if this was the pattern of things that happened, because I watched that and went, oh yeah, I can see how if you are in the time yeah. and, the and past, you're a Newtown fan the, the, struggling Newtown and you get blow, 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 and you're going, hang on, we're, we're up 16 nil, and all of a sudden you blow bloody scrum penalties every two minutes in yeah. a row, one after the other. Like, what's doing? There and haven't really been any.
0: No, yeah. and the pass from Gibbs is it's like it's shocking for pass call. They missed it for boost. A mile pride. forward, yeah. To call at 1610. Uh, yeah. Mm. it sixteen ten, yeah. Rex uh, really comes to the defence of the referee. Says, "Oh no, it, it looked on first view it looked forward, but it's a very tough call for the referee. <laughs> it's yeah. Very tough call. I mean, fair Very tough
1: from standing next to it to yeah, see that it went right two right there. forward. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> um But then, so the recovery is on. And Newtown, presumably, Newtown fans would been getting fairly jittery at this point. Uh, mm. But then Gus kind of, they steady the ship. There is a scrum, there's a Manly scrum on their own line that spews out to Newtown. Gus goes from dummy half, 10 out, finds his way over the line. Uh, And suddenly it's 19-10 and you think, oh, well, they should be all right now, 15 minutes to go. But uh, then three minutes later, another scrum penalty to Manly. They end up 15 out and Dorohy with a beautiful kick uh, on about second tackle. From about 10 metres out, dinks the ball over the top into open space. Booth comes through to score in acres of space to get his second try. Edie kicks the goal and it's on again. 19-15 with 10 and a yeah. half minutes to go. Game on. It's a beautiful bit of football, isn't it? Yeah, it's lovely. Doherty, the the um, the kick is gorgeous. It just drops it on a um, right on the spot. Uh, it, like it's one of those things that seems risky, but from the minute he kicks it, there's never, there's only one result. You can, you can tell it's going to be a try.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. No, it's um, it's a funny way. I, I just never got the sense, and maybe it's because of those penalties and that sort of thing. I just never got the sense that Manly really did all that much, but they were suddenly just in the game. Yeah, you, do you know what I mean? Like it, it sort of just happened. Where all of a sudden you were like, "Well, when did that really happen?" Because They you're right, One of the tries a soft few penalties fund- and a forward pass. Yeah.
0: The fundamentals of the game never change. Like it always seems like Newtown are going better, but Manly starts scoring all these points. Yeah. Yeah, um, and then now. This is a beautiful thing. Newtown kick off at nineteen fifteen with ten minutes to go, and Graham Eady catches the kickoff and just punts it.
1: That was stunning. That was he, that was stunning. He just
0: kicks, like as soon as he catches, just boom down ground down the field. Uh, I assume trying to find touch to have another scrum, but uh, see <laughs>
1: Yeah, but I think that's what he was doing. I think um, it seemed to me that he was kicking for the sideline, which we spoke about in our, in our other pod. That that seemed to be, yeah. In '85, um, we talked about
0: that in the Challenge Cup. That because the scrums yeah. were such a lottery at that time, getting it downfield, getting it on the other side's twenty or halfway line or something, and just hoping you win a scrum wasn't the wasn't the worst idea.
1: No, no, that that's right. I, I think that's probably. The case it's just a, it's, it's just it's, it just seems so funny from a modern person's perspective to watch someone come up with that play um you know like you desperately need to score to win it to win a game and you're kicking the ball into touch you know like i don't know no it's just it doesn't I. fit with what we know about football does it no not days. at all uh, but Manly's pretty then, much a product of its time
0: no and in those last few minutes um uh, manly have a few goes at them and have a couple of opportunities to score, uh, which would have left Graham Mede, who kicked superbly. Um, his goalkeeper was outstanding, wasn't it? For, for that the time, era. he just it's he's banging them over from everywhere. Um, he they they have a couple of goes. There's one. Um, it's they're on the last. They're twenty out. Eight minutes to go. Four points behind. And Mossop says they should. They, oh, they're looking for the bomb. They really should take the tackle here, which I I, I don't really know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But this brings us to one of the rules that I think you wanted to talk about rules a little bit that existed at the time. Can I say, why did it take rugby league 80 or 90 years to bring in a rule that if you catch the ball in the end goal, it's a, it's not a dropout?
1: Yeah, look, that's the exact rule I wanted to talk about. That's one of the worst rules Um <laughs> I was going to, I won't talk too much about the rules in the end. I think we've gone over a few of them anyway. But, you know, one of the real things about rugby league and the advantages it's had over some other sports is they aren't too wedded to tradition. It, it was a game, like it was a game that broke away from something. So it's yeah. always been happy to make changes. And a lot of them have been for the better. And geez, this is one. Like the idea that you should get rewarded for just launching it deep into. the. I'll tell you what, with that rule, it's almost an indictment on a lot of the players that they didn't do it more. Because yeah. Well, like you've yeah, got the in goals were massive. How deep were they? It's not like now. Yeah. They're deep as hell. So you've got this huge in goal. And if you're coaching scientifically, um, yeah. look, look. if that was a rule today, it, if, if every set would be like that. They just go look, anywhere when you're in the attacking half, they'd go, Hoover it. Hoover it to the in yeah. goal. It's just massively wrong. We'll and we tackle game. them. Yeah, or we'll score, that nothing else is going to happen. We'll just keep having five good attacking sets at that, uh, go at them and just launch it in the in goal. It's a terrible rule.
0: No, it's bizarre um, because you just yeah. like. The, the kick goes up, and then they get absolutely buried. Like, the, the fullback catches it. If he catches it, he catches it, gets buried by a couple of chases, and that's it. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's very funny. I, I, it makes absolutely no sense to me. Um,
1: What's yeah. the rule? Do they have a rule in rugby? What's the rule in rugby? Uh, that's where the game comes from. You, you have to mark it and touch it down to kick it out from the 22. Is that right?
0: In rugby, not? if it goes into the in goal... Yeah. And you, all you have to do is, yeah, touch it down, whether you catch it or not, and you, yeah. you drop out from the 22. But if you kick it dead in rugby, it's, it goes back to where you kicked it from. Yeah, okay. um, yeah. So it's it's a little bit different. But no, I just I knew you would want to talk about that because it is crazy and it gives yes. Manly another chance. So then they end up having 10 tackles in a row at the Newtown line and can't score. Um, they manage to hold them out. Then they win a scrum, uh, which they must have been fairly nervous about. <laughs> And they get down the other end. And uh, Wilson, who's come on for Tommy. So th- what you said is absolutely right. That The narrative of this season is Tommy leading them to the grand final and nearly winning it for them. But, you know, he didn't play that many games through the season. And then he's taken off with 10 or 15 minutes to go in the semi final. Um, yeah. Wilson comes on, pots a field goal uh, to make it 20 to 15. And Manley can't quite. Uh, summon anything to get themselves back level. But a, there was a moment just before the field goal where Gus Gould takes a dummy half run, 10 out. Did you see this? And yeah. Broadhurst just punches him.
1: Yeah, yeah. Then No one says anything.
0: No, nothing happens. So Broad, Gus is on the ground having been tackled. Broadhurst has made the tackle and then just slips a little uppercut into him while he's yeah. on the ground. Rex yeah, notices it. Rex Mossop notices it, he, but he's very matter of fact. He had punched there from Broadhurst.
1: <laughs> yeah, just a punch on the ground. He's just totally unmoved by it. Yeah. To be fair, if Danny Williams had um amnesia and could claim that as a defence, I think Broadhurst was in a position to be claiming Oh, absolutely. Um, that he was quite seriously out of his mind at this point with his face looking like that. You'd have to be, wouldn't you? Um yeah. the, the field goal is very
0: nicely taken. You can see why he was regarded as a bit of a gun specialist. Squash um,
1: gun and field goal specialist.
0: That's it. Twenty twenty to fifteen, the final score. Um there is sort of a lack of tension. There's this massive comeback. Manly come yeah. surprisingly close to running down a huge deficit against New yeah. and there is very little in the live commentary. There is very little kind of hype about it. There's no there's no real sense that this is on. Um, the game just keeps going along, and Mo- Rex just keeps describing the action, and there's not a lot of uh, there's not a lot of hype or kind of narrative about it. It's just this is what's happening before.
1: Yeah, Yeah, you've said this before, that there was a point in time where the game was enough without over-hyping everything. And definitely these days they they live off making hype where it doesn't exist and thrashing what hype there actually is to death, like just flogging it into the ground till there's nothing left to say and do. And, you know, a lot of it's just filling space. You've got to fill space all week. Yeah, sell papers that you you want website clicks. You've got to fill space. Um, it's but like, the, it's right. like, it it's like Morris, you know.
0: So it's like Paul Morris, you know. The whole game, there would have been some goose on the commentary if that happened. Now they'd be saying, "How good's the nineteen-year-old? How good is he?" I like, think about yeah. Tex Hoy last week in round three, in the in yeah. the, the present-day NRL. How many times Tex Hoy, being nineteen and his old man being a surfer, got mentioned during the coverage? This is yeah. Paul Morris at nineteen, in about his fifth first-grade game, yeah. in in a semi-final. Um, and, and and there's no talk of it. it, it yeah, it's no, very it's no. very noticeable. Um,
1: mm-hmm.
0: Just before we go, I want to mention what happens at the end of this game when the coverage is over. So they Channel mm-hmm. Seven, they've shown their hour long package from the match. They come up back up to a shot of the moose, who says, mm-hmm. "These were the results in reserve grade. This was the result in Jersey Flag. Join us next week." And then at the end of the coverage, there's a voiceover. Over the top of the credits, uh, this is wonderful because the the numbers of all the channels come up on the screen. Depending, you know, back in the old days, like Newcastle, it was Channel Three and Channel Seven and all of this. Like you had, yeah. you had to, like the frequency, and then the voiceover says, "And I took this down verbatim for your enjoyment." A reminder again that Rex Mossop will be back with the rugby league final Saturday evening at six o'clock. Fair, <laughs> fair, fair enough, that's all fine. And next Sunday evening at six thirty. Another superb, spectacular from the greatest heroes from the Bible series: Samson and Delilah. <laughs> Don't. <miss
1: them. laughs> what on earth? Oh, Can't be missing that. Oh, that's good. That's good. Oh, yeah, they're bringing to, that back. Be remake time. Something can't, like that.
0: Like just, there's a couple of things about this. One, it has absolutely nothing to do with the football at all. It's on a different night to the football. <laughs> And it's like, why were they showing the Bible in primetime television?
1: It and also, Sunday what's you crossover, the, the audience that just enjoyed Broadhurst and Bowden doing that possibly aren't your Bible audience. <laughs> like, for, that's fair. Like, it's like, they're possibly not like the same, but you're not appealing to the same demographic of people that just were like, how good was when Bowden had Broadhurst on the ground after yeah. headbutting him? Yeah. In yeah, yeah. the 12 Haymakers while yeah, on Samson
0: and Delilah. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Yeah. It really Jesus rattled me Christ. because I was I was kind of tuning out of it, and then I went, "Hang on, what was that?" <laughs> Put it back on, yeah, um, and I'm glad I did. I must say, yeah, fantastic oh, wow. stuff, uh, Gazzy, I really enjoyed this uh, this mm. Newtown side. So I'm really glad that I've watched them because they are quite legendary. It was this yeah. kind of last stand of Newtown. You know, like mm-hmm. two years after this, they're out. They're playing at Campbelltown, and they're out of the competition. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But they, it's it's good that they're that, you know as sad as it is that they disappeared, it, 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 it's, it's, it's kind of good that they had this side, that they didn't whimper out no. of, of first grade, having made won all these wooden spoons and not made the finals for 10 years. Like yeah. that They had this wonderful last stand, and even though they fell short in the final, and a couple of people mentioned on the, we, we said through the week, what do you remember about this game, just on Facebook, uh, and a couple of people made the point that the, the kind of bittersweetness of this game is that um, Steve Bowden, one of their most important forwards because he gets sent off in the first minute of this game and mm. is suspended for belting the hell out of Broadhurst doesn't play the grand final where they kind of could have used him against Parramatta. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: The, I mean, Broadhurst, yeah. Broadhurst could have used his face too. That's, that's, I mean. that's true. Some <laughs> um, um, <laughs> that people
0: kind of go, yeah, that fight was great, yeah. but it kind of cost us a chance of being Parramatta when we eventually got yeah. there. But yeah. it is kind of, I'm glad that I've watched this Newtown side and that I. Yeah. And, and it, you can understand why they've become a kind of iconic team. That Paramount Absolutely. shirts jersey is kind of very famous, and a lot of people own yeah. it. And it, it you, you watch these players, guys like Sigsworth and Ferguson, Ray Blacklock, Gus Gould, you know, yeah. Tommy. You, you realise why they were so, why they're so well remembered.
1: Yeah, yeah, everyone really loves- this, for this one year that they had. Yeah, everyone loves an underdog team coming good and they had all these characters and and parts and made a run against, you know, a team with 11 internationals and then they gave Parra a real shake in the grand final. Well, they were in front in the second half, yeah. Yeah, they get beat by Brett Kenny at the end of the day, scores two individually brilliant tries and that's what happens. It's the difference between a side of really good plucky players with some good, you know, really good talents and playing against one of the greatest players of all time. Um yeah. you know, when you've got to beat them in a final, that's eventually unfortunately what happens to a lot of sides that make these runs is eventually you're gonna to have to run into one of those guys that's in the all time conversation and, and yeah. that's what they where they make their reputations is I seen games like that. Um, you know, the, in the I we watched a bit of footage from the grand final and Kenny just stands up Sigsworth for one of the tries, like he's not there. So for all the skything Sigsworth does in this game, when he comes up against Brett Kenny, yes, <laughs> Kenny of, just, yes. just burns him for pace and, yes. and stuff like that. But you're absolutely right. Um, I think if you'll indulge me uh, yes. to finish off with a bit of a soapbox, what I'd like to do, I, I, I neglected to do this in my notes. And I just realized we've really, one thing we've really undersold on this, I think you can't tell this story without talking more about Warren Ryan. Yeah. Um, I think we need to do that. And I, am going to talk about him generally. So this is his real his first job as a coach, um, as a first grade coach. And Warren Ryan, I think is extremely underappreciated. I think people that talk about Bellamy and talk about Bennett and even Hasler and these guys, they don't understand that Warren Ryan is in that class. And in my opinion, the best coach of all time. And well, I'll go. tell you why. I'll tell you why he's the best coach of all time. Um, he coached, unlike, you know, they're, they're, this is not a knock on any of those those coaches, but those coaches either had very good sides or put together very good sides. And, and that, that, mm. that's not to have a go at them. Bellamy put together a great side and has kept it together for a long time and known what to pull in and out. That is wonderful. No bagging at that. That's fantastic. And Bennett, you know, I've always bagged Bennett and said, oh, you know, he had the Broncos and all. He's still got to win. He's still got to win. And he had them and they always won, you know. He didn't win two yeah. comps with them. He kept winning with them. And good on him. But what you get here is that Warren Ryan's club's coached. Most of them just aren't that good. And the results he gets are quite astounding. So let me run you through it. He coaches at Newtown and you've run us through that record. They're a spoon sort of side, um, winning spoons over and over, going to 12th to 8th. They go, Under Warren Ryan, you know, he's there for a couple of years. They end up in a grand final and are beaten by one of the greatest teams of the modern era. So he takes Newtown, a team that had been winning all these spoons and never making finals and who goes out of the competition shortly after this. And he waltzes them into a grand final and wins 48% of his games. there, so about 50%. One of the worst teams in the comp in an era where teams used to lose, you know, you had teams winning six games a year more often. It wasn't as even as it can be now. Um, He goes into Canterbury. So this is the one job where you would say he got, Plum job, yeah, yeah had think, some so, kind
0: of advantages, and
1: yeah, yeah. he went to it. This is the same as a Broncos or a Storm or a Rooster. This is a you know, a fair income club. He went there for 84 to 87. He made the grand final every year until his last year, like yeah. he made the grand final in 84, 85, 86. Yep, yeah. um, and he wins one of them. Um, but he's in the grand final for three years in a row, so when you give him the team. He's just in there every year. He does exactly what your Bellamys and your Bennets do, and he, he, he's at the top of the tree. Yeah. He then goes to the Tigers, who never win anything at any other point, really. Like in the modern era, um, they don't do anything after he's gone. They don't do anything just before he's there either. They, when's the last time they went well? Like '60s, yeah, you know? like yeah '60s. So he goes there. That's not a winning club. This is a Newtown sort of club. The Balmain Tigers are a club that you know people look back on them fondly, but they didn't win things. Um, he goes there and he's in the grand final twice. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And he makes the grand final with them twice. And, yeah, he doesn't win them. That's, you know, it's a knock to a point, but he's won competitions. Um, He then goes to Western Suburbs, Western Suburbs who had finished last at the bottom of the tree and immediately takes him to the finals. Yeah. No one else took Western Suburbs to the finals in their last sort of 10 years alive yep. except Warren Ryan. He walks into that club and takes him straight into the finals. I can't emphasize how bad these clubs are. You know yeah, he didn't run right. that many comps. This West is the era right,
0: where some of those clubs are like they're they're a few years from dead. Newtown are about three years from yep. dead when he takes them to the grand final. Yep. The Wests are not far behind. Like the mm-hmm. you know it's um yep they're the, the sides that are getting that are getting overtaken by the the, the yep. new finance of the game. Yep. Yeah. That's exactly right.
1: He then has five years out of coaching and just doesn't coach at all. Waltz is straight into Newcastle in his second year there. He runs a 57% win rate for starters at his time in Newcastle and walters them straight into a preliminary final that they had absolutely no business losing and got run down horribly in the second half um, after Joey throws an intercept for Fittler and they just roll us back home. But he's very close to taking us to the green final that year. And, and Newcastle, again, like, I mean, Newcastle won a split competition and otherwise, have never been a side that that goes that that well at that point. They they made a prelim in 95. They're a good side, but he walks in off five years out of the game and takes a club into a prelim and has them well up in the comp. And I think if you look over it, he's got a 56% winning record. He coached Newtown to a grand final. The Bulldogs are the only properly power club he ever had. And he's there four seasons and takes him to three grand finals and wins one goes to Balmain and takes him to two grand finals, goes to West and takes him to the finals and goes to the Knights after five years out of the game and takes him to a preliminary final. And I just think all of that and the results he was able to get without the cattle that those other clubs had when he had the cattle at Canterbury, he was like a coach that won every single game, you know, making grand finals, winning them, losing them to Sterling and that, right at the top of the tree. And when he didn't have those players, he made runs into the finals with ridiculous clubs that don't do that. And occasionally popped them all the way through to the grand final. And, I just think he's so underappreciated because he's a total asshole. In some ways. Yeah. As a person, that yeah, as a coach, nobody wants yeah. to stick up for him because he's a total dick. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> like, it's not, it's not. That's not relevant to what we're talking about, is it? No, nah,
0: like no. I know what you're saying. He's, he's got a very good kind of record of, of improving. It, the thing about coaches is that, it, yeah. like, it's it, the, the thing that makes them that, that makes the good ones. They improve their they improve their team. Yeah, there's, you know, there's and, and all of Wox clubs pretty much. There is they they are that they're never as good either side of him being there. You know no. they're not they're not they're not that particularly good when he gets there. They become very good while he's there, and then they just they fall off again. And that's pretty yeah. much true of, of most might, teams of the teams that he coached.
1: Yeah, I think the only exception to that quickly is the Bulldogs. Obviously, after it he left, the beat year after him, left. Um, yeah, but they beat they beat him. Um, yeah, so right. uh, he he takes Brown main there. But again, what I was going to say is you're right. They do drop uh, the weaker clubs drop off after he goes. They can't. They go back to the mean. But when he was at the Bulldogs, who were very good. He's that club stays, he's put all this stuff in place, and someone like Gould walked into it who'd learnt a lot from him. Yeah. No, and his, they team he'd to put together and was, yeah, put together yeah. his team and his structures and went on with that. And at Newcastle, Michael Hagan walked into, you know, Walker had a Joey talks about that one of the people that had the most influence in his whole career is Warren Ryan. And the new coach, Michael Hagan, walks into that. Warren Ryan walks out, and while they've still got that structure there, they then yeah. go on and win the grand final. So he has an understanding of football and was able to get out a lot of players. He able to bring bad... He, when he had a really good side, he n- drove it home and was up the top. And when he had yeah. weaker sides, he took them to places they didn't ordinarily go. And I just reckon, I don't think some of the coaches out there that are going to be rated above him could have taken Western suburbs in the early 90s into the finals and, and, and done stuff like that or taken that Jets side to a grand final. I just don't believe some of the coaches that are rated above him could have done that. And it's not a mm. knock on them. Mm. I just don't think they would have. I don't think that what they bring to the table and the way they manage a good side would translate to being able to get a lesser side to do what he was able to get sides to do.
0: Yeah. No, I, I'm, I'm with you on this. I, I think that's totally fair. Um, I wanted to share with you a, a couple of things to, to take us out. I, we asked for people's memories of the game uh, and I'm indebted to Darren from the uh, Newtown Jets supporters group uh, who tells this story. He says, I was in the Sheridan stand, a 14-year-old boy, and I think I threw more punches than the players. After the, <laughs> after the game, I got into an argument with a manly adult fan about how Newtown would go in the final. He proceeded to threaten to knife me. Such a good sport. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> That's a charming anecdote from the, uh, from, <laughs> from the day. Simpler uh, times. Simpler times, yeah. And uh, just, just finally, um, mm. unless you've got anything else to raise, we might, I, I might no. leave you with this. Uh, in 1976, Rex Mossop, Made a citizen's arrest of a nudist at Balgala Beach. Later state <laughs> I just love Rex Mossop, and every time I listen to his commentary, I just I'm more I, I want to know more. And I just I'll leave you with this: uh, in 1976, Mossop made a citizen's arrest of a nudist at Balgala Beach. Later stating, Gazi. Later stating, I don't need the male genitalia rammed down my throat. <laughs>
1: Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Man for his times. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> Citizens arrests generally are, are very funny, but when enacted by yeah. Warren Wright uh, by Rex Mossop, I think yeah, yeah, it takes it to it takes it to another place. Gazzy, unless you've got anything else, I think we'll leave it there. Um, thank you, as always, for uh, for bearing with us on the Rugby League Cemetery as we've celebrated the mighty Newtown Jets of 1981 and their victory in the minor semi final. Uh, we will be back next week with something probably from a probably a little bit newer we're sort of we're, we're drifting between the two we spent a bit of time in the 80s a bit of time in the late 90s early 2000s and we're trying to we, we might even go back further i'm thinking we might eye up say the 1977 drawn grand final or something like that in a few weeks time but we've got plenty more to we've got we've got plenty more in the tank on the rugby league cemetery and we hope you've been enjoying us Gazzy, anything anything No,
1: No, enjoyed it loved it can't wait to do it again
0: yeah it was it was a wild one Thank you as always. It's Morgan Campbell and Luke Garrity signing off from the Rugby League Cemetery. Broadhurst handling Bowden out the lift. And they're going at it hammered times like two heavyweight fighters, these two.